And then, like, I don't know where the click happened that I was like, we should be doing this live. Like, we should be doing live. We should be streaming these games live. But we played a CEDH game, and somebody cast a Mana Dork and another player, like, turn one, and another player mental misstepped it. And the first player who played the first Mana Dork, mental misstepped that mental misstep. And I was like, this is bad, man. This is not good magic. This is bad magic. This is mental misplays right here. This is not mental misstep. This is mental misplay. And I was like, that's the fucking name of the show. That's it forever. Like, right there, stream one, game one. I was like, it's called mental misplay. Like, that's it. We're done. Wrap, like, wrap it up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Humans of Magic. This week's episode is with Alan of Mental Misplay. He's a CEDH content creator, and we're going to talk about his life story, content creator origin story. We're going to explore all the different aspects of Alan's interests, including his forays into gonzo journalism when it comes to magic coverage. So please enjoy my conversation with Alan of Mental Misplay. Thank you for listening to the audio version of Humans of Magic. There are some additional ways to support the show if you are so inclined. Number one, please tell a friend. Please spread the word. If you really like what you're hearing, please let your friends know. Please tweet about it. Please spread the word. Number two, you can follow us on our other social channels. Go to humansofmagic.com. You'll see all the links there please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel. I'm trying to grow the YouTube channel a little bit. There's also some other fun stuff like vlogs, clips, and various things that are fun for the visual medium. You can find everything at humansofmagic.com. Last but not least, you can consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com humansofmagic. I do Humans of Magic part-time. It's a labor of love. It's a hobby. I try to make it rewarding for listeners. And I also challenge myself. I challenge myself to have weekly releases every Tuesday. But along with that is also the real world considerations, the time and the costs involved to deliver a high quality episode week in and week out. Any extra support you can throw my way would be greatly appreciated. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Let's get on with the episode. Alan, how are you doing today, sir? Doing good. Doing good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. And how, how are things? What's on your mind recently? What, what, what's, uh, what's been going on? Oh, just staying super busy, like trying to learn how to, <clears throat> trying to learn how to like make a schedule for myself and keep myself accountable has been like my big like and i'm terrible at it trying to like learn how to make a schedule and keep myself to it and and have like an actual agenda for making content instead of just like doing everything by the seat of my pants like i have for the last two years so that's been what's on my head recently is like really trying to treat what i've been doing like a like a business or a job is there something that triggered that feeling of wanting to be more, uh, what's the term like structured or some yeah, uh, I just, more, more scheduled? I just need it. I, I feel it. I need it. And I, like, honestly, like, uh, domestic life is a part of it, but I don't want to get too deep into that. But like, it just like, I need to just like 
like focus on this like it's a job and and i'd like find myself like like i like i I work better with a to-do list i work much better with with like a like a very strict itinerary and if i don't have that i just get easily distracted so i've recently been like looking into like possibly addressing like attention deficit things uh as well so um knowing that the two go hand in hand if like having this like pre laid out structure is is like very much on the top of my head on the top of my yeah i used to be really really into the to-do list but it was harder for me i have to actually change my method a little bit over the years because i realized that i was spending so much time actually managing the to-do list that instead of actually doing the to-dos and that was like (laughs) actually creating some anxiety and so i everyone has their own method right but i i've definitely had like experiments kind of like it's almost like playing magic or doing anything you're really into it's like you have to keep at least i feel you have to keep trying different things i don't know if you how did you land on the to-do list were you were you like a to-do list since day one or did you have to evolve no, what you I, were doing there. It's, I mean, the to-do list isn't even fully formed yet. I just knew that I needed structure. Like it was just like, a. I mean, it, part of it was talking to a therapist, part of it's talking to my wife and part of it's just knowing how I function. And I was like, okay, I need like, at the very least, like a calendar that says like on Tuesday, I'm doing this on Wednesday, I'm doing this on Thursday, I'm doing this, which is why like having a set stream schedule for me since the beginning has been really like, has really helped me, you know, just knowing, okay, Friday nights at 830, like we're going live, which I've also like, I want to go to Friday night magic sometimes, you know, like I haven't been, like I want to go jam commander on Friday nights, but it's like every month I make the schedule and I don't leave anything. Like I just fill up every Friday, you know? Yeah. So, so that's a big, yeah. Like having, having done, having seen how well that aspect of it works, just knowing that having, um, the rest of it filled out the same way. You know, just like, okay, on Monday, I got to do like, like, um, like logistical, like payment stuff, like finance stuff, you know, put in all the earnings and all the spendings. And on Tuesday, I got to do like, make the, and and on Monday afternoon, I make the flyer for Tuesday's stream. And on Tuesday, I go live and I do some deck building for the stream. And Mm -hmm. so like taking that general structure and trying to fine tune it and really get down to the minutia of it has Mm -hmm. been, and trying to figure out how to turn that into treating it like a job. And then just like, holding myself accountable that's been my big like that's what's that's what's in here right now is like okay how do i actually stick to it um so that's kind of where i've been at have you heard about the accountability thing where if you just tell somebody that you're gonna do it you will def you will generally just hold yourself more accountable because it's just like if you if you make it public then then you're more likely to do it. If you just tell yourself, then it's easier to <laughs> kind of violate the accountability. If yeah, you know. that's int- so I like the, well, public is, is actually really good too. Right. Cause like, cause I can say like, okay, yeah. Tell myself something or tell you know, somebody in confidence that I'm going to do something and then be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Shit came up or whatever. But telling, telling like the, just like 
you know, getting out the trumpet and being like, hey, I'm doing this. Like, this is what I'm going to do by this date. And then you have to be accountable for it is also really important. That makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. And there's different degrees, right? I'm not saying that you have to blast it on Facebook or Twitter. Like, I will do this next Monday. But mm -hmm. sometimes it's just telling a trusted friend, like, just DM them and say, yep. I'm going to do this <laughs> yep. and please check up on me or something. Or I've actually done like really crazy stuff where I said, I'm going to not do this until Friday. And if I violate it, then I will give you $10 or I'll give them like $10 and say, like, give me back $10. You know, you know how it is. You can play, you can do all these kind of different things, but that's pretty well, harsh. And that's why streaming works so well, right? Is because it's like, okay, I've gotten three other people to commit a couple hours of their time and I have to like not let them down and not let right. me down which is like on the one hand like it keeps me streaming every Tuesday and Friday it keeps me going live but on the other hand there's like it becomes there's like a there's a there's a point where I hold myself to that commitment to the point where it becomes unhealthy so I'm always balancing like I, I really really try to respect other people's time especially as content creators and professionals and stuff like the fact that people commit three hours of their time to me multiple people commit three hours of their time to streaming with me every week is like mind-boggling i i still like it means everything that people do that and i try to take those really seriously and anytime i have to like cancel a stream i'm like i sweat bullets about it you know and like if it if i'm like like actually sick like then that's a different story but like if like some shit comes up or whatever, I'm always just like, I'm so sorry. Like it's, it always, it's always tough. And then there's sometimes where I'm just like, I can't, like, I gotta just do me, do mental health and all that stuff. And there's also a, you know, there's, there's, it's a hard lesson to learn. Like, okay, sometimes I just gotta fucking do me, you know, sometimes I just gotta like lay on the couch and eat Cheez-Its instead of doing this because <laughs> I need to like be like, okay up here or like at least tell myself that's going to make me feel okay up there, you know? So yeah, totally. that's, that that to me is a big accountability point for sure. Oh, that's that's super underrated. Yeah, I mean, just just <laughs> uh, when you're committed to doing stuff with other people, you really feel that social pressure yep. for better or worse. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, I I know you kind of mentioned it, but it's like I'm just amazed at how uh, folks in ED, in the EDH or CEDH community like they do these streams with like four people at once because like like you said, it's just a massive undertaking. Yep. And I feel like a lot of people just kind of look at the end product and just be like, it's kind of like matter of fact. But the fact is, it's so much harder to do a four-person stream than it is to do a, yep. a me stream where it's just you, right? Because I can just turn yep. on my computer anytime. But uh, it's also good, right? As you said, you can kind of hold each other accountable or sweat bullets when you when you make plans, but you can't hold on to them. Uh, yep. Hopefully it doesn't happen, right? So. Yeah, every once in a while it's happened and, you know, like something will come up or like something personal where it's like, okay, like I have a stream scheduled, but like it turns out a bunch of like my friends are getting together in real life to play. And it's like, oh shit, like I hate canceling a stream to go like and just play with other people. But at the same time, like a real life gathering, like I do those so seldomly that I'm like, okay, like, no, I'm going to go to New York that weekend. I got to drop everything, you know, yeah. or whatever it happens to be. So it's. It comes up. There's been people, uh, James Squirrel Mob. I I rain checked with James four times uh, before I was able to get a game with James. Uh, I felt like wretched about it. Uh, and there's been a couple other people as well. Um, and then there's like I see other people, and like you said, it's difficult to get you know people to commit this like big lump of time. When I first started doing this, I would like 
run these EDH streams and play for like four or five hours and realize quickly that like that wasn't like guests were not into that guests or people are not ready to that. Um, and that might I be recently, a thing in real life too. I don't know if anybody really wants to play a six hour commander game. I could be wrong though. Yeah. Uh, and then the other part of it, it like I played la, la, last night, I think last night it might've been, I don't know. It's all blends. I've, I, I call it pod fog. Uh, it all, it all, they all blend together, but I played with uh, a fella. I, I'm going to, I'm going to continuously like mention the people I play with and all that stuff, the different streamers and creators. And all you that. should, um, yeah. I played with Kuro Hatsuki and he does something incredible. He does two, uh, blocks of EDH streams. He started at seven, uh, and had a group of three different people on at seven from seven to 10. Yeah. And then he does another four top starting at 10 from like, and we went from like 10 till like 1230. So the fact that he like books two separate pods on the same night and, and he just, he's just live for, that's like out. That's like five, six, seven hours. Like dude is just live for so long. And I was just blown away by that. Like I didn't realize he was doing two, two, basically what I would consider is like two separate streams. Cause I go for like three hours and I'm okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I like the idea also of like switching people out and I've done like the marathon streams and all that stuff a couple of times. I'm long overdue for another one, but, uh, but yeah, the things get real loopy, but even playing in real life, you play real play magic, you know, you meet up at 12 and you play till midnight and you, you get loopy after playing that many games. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you asked them how it is that they managed to do that? Like just that kind of like, I don't even want, I don't want to say marathon stream. It's almost like an ultra marathon at that point, because you're doing two EDH games back to back. Like, so how did, how did they, how did they do it? Have you ever talked to them about like, also the reason to do it? Is it just like, you know, that I can stream twice as long or is there like, are they just really into that or? I think it's, it's a matter of, uh, building momentum i found like i'm i'm far 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 from an expert about like how twitch works and how getting like people watching your channel works and all that stuff but what i've found is over the course of say i do a three-hour stream it the viewers slowly go up and up and up and up and up and by the time the like it, when i stream in the middle of the day if i stream for two hours by the time i hit that two hour mark it's like it's starting to hit a good plateau like a good level of like how many people are watching so if you stream for six hours instead of three hours it ideally will keep going you know and hit a higher plateau or a higher peak so i think that's probably part of it is it just like it keeps the party going it keeps for for the streamer itself it just gets more eyes on it more views that sort of stuff um right but I, I couldn't tell you. I also, I reached out to, um, to Kuro about like talking to him about doing like variety streaming and stuff like that. Cause I saw that he does do that. So it's something I will mention when I end up talking to him is like, Hey, like I noticed you did this and it's cool. Like that's a, that's a, that's a cool move. Like I was, I was impressed by it when I saw it was like, wow, that's like ambitious, but at the same time, like a really smart way to do it. And that way, your guests aren't taxed. They're having a normal, like what is I, industry standard sounds ridiculous, but um, like a standard experience would be you jump in somebody's stream, you stream for three hours, you get two games in and then you're like, deuces. All right. Bye guys. Have a good night. Thanks for great games. Like that's what I found is kind of standard. So I love the idea of doing 
a double block, I think is very cool. Are you full-time or are you doing your content part-time? I'm full-time. Yeah. It's, it's wild. <laughs> it's, Holy it's smokes. something it's, and I mean, I'm, I'm full-time and I, a lot of it's logistics and a lot of it's, like I said, trying to figure out that schedule of like how to maximize that time. Um, and it's, it's not like, I'll, I'll be very frank. It's, it's not like paying all the bills for sure. Not so <laughs> it's very not difficult. Even, I mean, not I, even I, close, I, not even remotely close. You gotta, that's the great, uh, what's the term? Like, is it, is it the great paradox or the great irony of content? It's just that you basically have to like not do it for profit until you can do it for profit. And yep. it's like, people just see sort of the external, like, oh, this person has this many followers, subscribers. And then people have to realize that doesn't actually pay the bills. Like yep. you could have 2 million people like your tweet and have your mm -hmm. thing go viral, but if they're not giving you the hard cash or the moolah or on yep. a sustained basis, that doesn't pay the bills, right? So it, it's very hard. I, I totally sympathize with everybody who's in that situation where it, obviously you have a strong passion for it, but it's not, it's not, it's not all sunshine and roses, I guess. No, no, it's that it doesn't even like it, it doesn't even close to, come close to paying the bills for sure. Not. And it, uh, it, it's been like three years of showing proof of concept. Like it's, I, like I see people like, Oh, this person has resubscribed for 24 months now. Like it's going on two years, but it feels like, I feel like I've been doing it for three, but I honestly couldn't tell you, but I, I know for a fact that like, especially recently it's been proof of concept, just showing people like, Hey, look, I'm doing this. I can do this. I'm, I'm out here like proving myself on the daily. And I think because, I mean, I tried to stick around. I'm, I'm here. I'm not, I'm, I, I, who knows? Like I can never tell what the future is going to bring. I don't know if I'm going to be doing this in another year or another two years or whatever, but like I stuck around this long and I, people noticed it. <laughs> so I think like just, just the like staying power is, is proof of concept, but then like all the, like actions and what you do and like content that I've managed to make and gaps that I'm trying to fill and all that stuff are also another part of the proof of concept. How did you make that leap? Cause everybody makes that leap from I'm not a content creator to I want to do content. Uh, what yep. was the spark for you? There was like a bunch of different things that kind of like, like, like how I started, like the leap to doing it like full time or the leap to doing it at all. Like there was a bunch of different stuff. Um, yeah. Take me through it. Uh, so I, I'm from Brooklyn. That's, and I, uh, I got back into magic in like 2015, I'd say, um, after like a long, like, you know, 16 years of not playing it. Um, so you learned, you first learned magic in the, in the late nineties, is it? I started playing in revised, like on the school, schoolyard blacktop, like, like buying packs revised. And revised trying, era. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> trying to like, you like, I thought like having a Lord of the pit and our breeding pit in the same deck was just like, there's nothing that's going to beat this. Like, this is the big brain here. Um, and then I, in high school, 
uh, like still had my pile of like like 40 random cards or like pile like random pile and 60 random cards whatever you want to call it and ran into a friend who was doing like junior super series stuff at the time and he hit me i tell this all the time he hit me with like uh what is it um like a basically like a wild not wild growth but the other one fertile ground i think fertile ground on a on a on an island with a horseshoe crab makes infinite mana and then he got the vachino or the what i don't it's some there's some i, I can't i can never remember it was an urza, urza saga rare that you one colorless one red and you can deal one damage to somebody it was like some sort of dragon or something uh and he was like i play this and i blast you for a million damage and i was like oh it was like it was like an earthcraft involved too probably um yeah earthcraft horseshoe crab and like blast your whole face off and i was just like Oh, like Matt, like my, it was like a full, yeah, he was like, this is a thing that can happen. And I was like, it was like a full on, like my whole, like, it was like when Dr. Strange gets knocked out of his body and he goes on a, like sees the whole universe, you know, it was like, oh, there's like a whole different way of playing that I never would have thought of, you know, like this, this is, this, this game is, is open in a way that I never, ever would have conceived. And I started going with him to, and some other friends in high school, uh, to neutral ground. And we would play on Tuesday nights. We would play in the type two, the free type two tournaments at neutral ground. And we, I was, I would play mono green stompy. I would play suicide black. I played a little bit of like Urza's block sneak attack for a little while. Um, and, uh, oh, I really liked the, uh, Oh, what was that awful deck? Wildfire. The red artifact-based wildfire deck. Oh. <laughs> a bunch of Thrawn Dynamos and Grim Monoliths and shit. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I played a bunch of that stuff and, and like, you know, went to a couple pre-releases and all that fun stuff. Um, and then went to college and didn't play for 16 years. Uh, and came back and, like, saw, and then there's a convention that I go to in Boston called Aresia. Uh, it's like a fan-based, it's it's like a all-volunteer-run uh, old head convention, like old, old, old. This thing is like, like there's multiple generations of families who have been going to this thing at this point. Like kids, kids are going with their parents who used to go when they were kids and stuff. And it started off as like a sci-fi literature convention. It's all in one hotel. It's like this big funky nerd rager, basically. They would have the game room open and I would show up with like my, 20 year old sneak attack deck and all of a sudden everybody's playing with these piles of 100 cards in 2013 2014 and i was like i don't know what's going on here and these kids were like elder dragon highlander like get on this right like figure it out and so two three years go by and finally you know one year when i'm not at the thing i was like let me just buy one of these off the shelf and i bought the marin precon and i bought a couple others for some friends i was like yo there's this hot new way to play like my old uh my old high school playgroup who I've like been friends with for 25 years now, you know, and we, we had been playing like talisman every week and doing like playing pathfinder and stuff like that. And I was like, let's try this format. And we were all, we sat down and we played commander and we were like, this is the craziest thing ever. And we had boxes of Urza's block cards. Yeah. Like let's all just jam in all these Urza's block cards and like palancrons and uh, survival of the fittest is and stuff. And just jammed all that crap in there and we were like oh this is real dumb uh and then it was an arms race you know but um so did, i've i've totally forgot where where the story was going though where it was content right so um yep. 
through so while we were doing that like we're playing every week you know in new york every week every week every week every week and going out to the lgs and playing there and all that stuff and a couple and then we start going to the gps and all that stuff and we really like that that's a lot of fun going to the gps and then there's magic fests and we would like we would spend all night like two weeks before we would meet up multiple times a week before we go to magic fest and like play at this point we're playing cedh and we would just jam games into each other like trying to go comp rel and like be totally ready for this uh and then bring like our super spike cedh decks to like the the games at magic fest and them being like a total like the meta is just all over the place but one of my friends was like we're gonna we're gonna record these games and i was like great we're gonna this is gonna be a whole thing no one's ready for us because it's like the the we we made hoodies for ourselves we called it the ramp gang um because one of the the person who kind of taught me how to be a better edh player um he he had a playmat let's say his name is nate he had a playmat that said ramp or die um and i learned from him how to kind of play like better uh and through him is where i met uh rebel actually um, so I had been playing at a kitchen table with Rebel and this guy Nate and a couple other a dude named Seth and a couple other really really good people, um, and so we made these hoodies for the Ramp Gang and one of the dudes was like let's record these games and I was like great, uh, and I was like you know I'm gonna have like these obnoxious playmats and everything and he was like no this this guy who wanted to record them and edit them was like it's all gonna be uniform we're gonna do top down narration the whole thing, and I was like we're not on the same wavelength here buddy. He, and he was like, yeah, I'm not trying to make us like personalities, you know, internet person. And I was like, oh, we're definitely not on the same wavelength because I'm trying to be that guy. You know, I'm trying to be out here and be like, I'm trying to be the personality, you know. Right. And so and then he, we recorded a bunch of games and then he was like, oh, editing sucks. Uh, so that never uh, that never came to anything. Um, but then like in 2018, like I, so I, I made a, I made an Instagram account and for the ramp gang and I would post just cards and memes. We made terrible memes. Uh, you can, you can, if you go to the mental misplay, uh, Instagram and you scroll all the way down, there's some really bad memes. Um, Before mental misplay came into being, like it was another account, right? It was, or ramp, it was the same gang. account, but different the, stuff. The, the, ramp gang. the ramp gang. I'm trying to, there's, there's. This play, there you go. I got one right here. This playmat. There's like so much stuff under this playmat. I want to pull it out though. Oh, you got the OG Ramp Gang vintage the, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the you can see right here. We got yeah, the, yeah, yeah. We got the ramp the Ramp Gang logo a little, under uh, there inside the actor studio here. So yeah, no. I this this logo is uh, and this artist I still work with as well. So that's the Ramp Gang and it says nice. six in the sky and there's a there's a underneath it. It's um, just like shoving cards, but it says Brooklyn, New York under it. So that's uh so yeah we had a whole thing there was a whole vibe um but uh so I had the Instagram account and I uh Zbex reached out to me and was like hey let's get you in this group chat for all us all to boost each other's um posts for like to, for for visibility and for algorithm and all that stuff. So when any, yeah, whenever you post something, dump it in here, and we're all gonna give it a big old thumbs up, and we're all gonna put it in our stories and all that stuff. And I'm still part of that group. I'm still I'm not very active in it, but I'm still in that uh, chat group. But um, then a bunch of other fellas who were in there was like, all right, 
like Alan's cool. Alan can hang. Let's get him in like the Rowdy Boys, you know, group chat. That's all like, you know, butt, butt, butt fart jokes and stuff like that. And so they get me in this other group and we're all thick as thieves in there. And it's all butt fart jokes for, you know, ever. And we start playing online. We started playing on Skype. <laughs> we were playing Skype games. <laughs> um, that's what's up yeah and and this is in like 2018 and then spell table came along but we were like still mostly doing skype games and what's the other one the, uh, whereby whereby is another video platform that's actually kind of slick whereby is kind of cool um but uh and then like i don't know where the click happened that i was like we should be doing this live like we should be doing live we should be streaming these games live. I think it was like one day I was like, you know what? Let's just stream it. And the first stream we did, it was me and uh, a buddy from the Ramp Gang named Jorman, uh, the Commander Guru, um, whose name is Rob. He's an absolute sweetheart. He lives not far from me in Mass. And a fellow who, um, I, I can't remember the fellow's name. Uh, he, and, uh, and, we all played together and um I'm, I'm like blanking on this guy's name it's gonna make me crazy i'm gonna i'm gonna remember it and be like oh in the middle of a sentence <laughs> later um but we played a cedh game and somebody cast a mana dork and another player like turn one and another player mental misstepped it and uh, the third player, the first player who played the first Man of Dark, mental misstep, that mental misstep. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is bad. Ma this is not good magic. This is bad magic. This is mental misplays right here. This is not mental misstep. This is mental misplay. And I was like, that's the fucking name of the show. That's it forever. Like right there, stream one, game one. I was like, it's called mental misplay. Like, that's it. We're done. Wrap, like, wrap it up, you know? <laughs> so, Just, so that's uh, what happened. <laughs> stroke of insight, as they say, right? Or inspiration. And it and it's and we've tried to keep that mindset the whole way. Is been like we're gonna play trashy, we're gonna play trashy CEDH. Like we're not. It's we're optimizing for entertainment, you know. And there there's been a whole journey I've been through to learn about how to do that correctly. Uh, and I've gone through all different learning curves and trials to learn how to kind of what's important about for me what's important about being live what's important about creating that space um but i think the spirit is still there the spirit of that like we're gonna like i'm gonna mental misplay i'm gonna mental misstep your your man dork and then the other first guy being like i'm gonna get you back <laughs> you know <laughs> and that's like even last night you know we were playing Literally, it's Wednesday, Tuesday night. We were playing, and uh, somebody put the adnos, you know, and they're at like eight life, and they're like, "I shouldn't do it again. I shouldn't do it again." And another friend went, "Man, I thought you were cool." And he was like, "All right," and he flipped it over, and it was the it was the tainted pact he needed. It was the winning card, and we, oh, he went, he did it, and he got the card. Like it was, it was like this whole like it was exactly the same spirit of like just you know like playing like that maybe not in the smartest way but in the most entertaining way um and that's the kind of like that's the that's the short version <laughs> that's okay the, that's the short version of how that uh how how i started doing the content there's a couple of things i want to unpack here i'm, I'm <laughs> i love this stuff because you know we, we're gonna go deeper and deeper but 
So, you know, you mentioned in the very beginning where you were playing CDH at an event or at a at a site and somebody decided to film the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. And how did you get your where do you think your showman tendencies come from? Because like it's very easy to just be like, yeah, let's just do it with all the same playmats and uh I'm not going to have my cool hair, right? I'm not going to have the pompadour. Uh, I don't want to be, I'm not going to be Alan. I'm just CDH player number three, but there must be something from your past that allows you to be the showman that you are, right? Kind of like stepping into that opportunity. So where do you think that comes from for you? I don't, the showman is an interesting word. I don't know. I've always just been a gregarious loudmouth. Um, just like, not like life of the party, but like, like friendly and outgoing for sure. And like learning to lean into that has always been really good. And somebody, I, I think it was Clavy, uh, said, "You're your own, you're your own best hype man." Um, and that really stuck as well. Um, and that's that's you know after the fact, but like like I I realized that there was a space for for being like fun guy, fun fun kooky magic guy, you know, or whatever you want to call it. And I was like, no, that's what I want to do. Like that's where I that's the space I want to fill. That's what I want to be doing. It's like being like like <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's easy to like like play it off, but like but yeah, I was like I want to I want to like I I can do that and I want to do that and want to be that. And I've like and in you know, through college, like I decided, okay, I'm just going to have Pompadour, be Pompadour guy now. Like that's it, you know, and that stuck. And, and it's, I've always had like, um, like a kind of clothes horse mentality of like, I'm going to wear something super flashy. I'm going to like have clothes that really make me stand out. I worked for a shoe store for a long time that sold these like really loud shoes. So I've like, that's always been like a standout It's like, Oh, you know, well, those are cool shoes. And it's like something that like makes me stand out. And then the hair makes me stand out and wearing like a Western shirt or or an Aloha shirt or something makes me stand out. So it's, it's like one thing after another, after another that made me kind of like stand apart. It's just been one thing after another, like realizing like it's just one thing after another, after another that makes me visible or stand out or fun or exciting or whatever the hell it happens to be and kind of leaning into that. And there's also been like, uh, I don't know the right way to address it or the right words for it, but there's a, like I, like within this ramp gang group, like like it, I, it fell to me to like invite people into it, you know, to have people kind of like, 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 Hey, like, like being somebody who is like a, the face of it, you know? And so that role was kind of like there, you know? Um, I don't, I, and I'm, I'm trying to say this, like, like, Oh, it just happened. Now, like, I'm trying to say a lot of that stuff, like without like hubris, you know, like it, it always feels weird to me to be like, no, I'm just like a fun, popular, like leader guy. And it's like, <laughs> it's, like, like this feels like I'm getting like the flop sweat saying it, you right. know, like, no, no, you're, that's, you're, there's no problem at all with that. I mean, you're, I mean, yeah, it's, it, you're not saying, Oh, I'm just great, but it's like, I'm just trying to ask you, it's, it's my fault. I'm asking you to describe like kind of your personality and how it fits into the whole the whole thing so yeah it just like like standing out and attracting other people and being a gregarious loudmouth and that it creates a community around itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think
think that's like that's the long like if if you want to really boil it down like that's that's the easy part so yeah it's just like like all of those like being noticeable being loud being friendly and that that creates a personality so it's something i found recently is very telling is like like i've got like I go to these events now, you know, I love, that's my sweet spot. Being a, being live in front of people's faces, being face, face to face with people is like, that's where I'm on. I am so psyched to be out there being in front of people. Like that really, really is my, like, that's where I thrive. Um, but like being noticeable is part of it, right? So, so like, it's, like everybody's like oh like there's all these people that i know from their screen names and stuff like that screen and that's dating myself saying screen name right is a, is a way to date myself do we don't say screen name anymore it, it's um, okay we're in the same generation i also started playing <laughs> during revised i also yep. remember icq and the pre-internet <laughs> world so we're, we're good yeah we just know everybody by their aim names uh and uh. <laughs> and, uh and so like somebody would be like hi i'm you know bill and you're like okay bill like i don't (laughs) who the fuck is bill you know and it's like oh i'm you know then give their like screen name and you're like oh okay like this is all coming i've talked to you literally a hundred times every day for the last fucking three years (laughs) but But it's not it's not face to face so it's hard to connect those dots I, mm -hmm. i hear what you're saying yeah but i'm out there and i'll neon aloha shirt with a pompadour and a microphone and a selfie stand and it's like oh that's Alan. <laughs> that's genius, so that's... by the way, because even when you're masked up, like the hair is still going to be there. So that's genius. So yeah, and that's like the shirt. It's it's a it like uh, Chris Commander Mechanics got the Commander Mechanics symbol right on his right on his mask, and it's like that's genius too. That's incredible, you know. But yeah, so rather than like you know, average cis white guy, I'm average cis white guy with a pompadour and a loud ass shirt. So it like, <laughs> it's it's like an identifying feature, you know. Um, yeah. So like that's that's a part of it too, is like just being being identifiable and having something that's like you know. I, I'm getting these. Uh, I could be wrong. This is why I need to ask you. Were you a punk rocker? Like, did you have like the anti-conformist vibes when you were growing the, up, or when you were younger, or what? Yeah, like I went through like more of like a third wave ska phase for sure. But yes, we'll All go right. with a, just a hard yes on that. Just like, like, not like counterculture, like, fuck everyone, fuck the system, but more like, just like, I want to be different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, The other thing that I found really interesting that I want to also unpack is just, you come back to Magic, and then you get in with a CEDH playgroup. Did you explore other formats as well? Because, I mean, back in the day, obviously, you were just playing Type 2. You're playing, like, 75-card formats so like did you experiment with different things when you when you sort of came back to magic it was like pre-con to pre, pre-con and then arms race over the course of two three years to cedh you know like maybe three four years you know there was it, so like it wasn't like get back into magic we play cedh now it was like get back into magic and play commander until we landed on cedh and between there there was like you know the occasional draft or pre-release i built a cube that i still have and love to death uh that took yeah it's been seven years now of making that cube playable and it's still barely playable so um 
so yeah, there's been there's been like other stuff, but mostly the play group has been like focused on that. And like some of the people in in the play group play like uh, modern uh, or arena or whatever, just all different formats. But as a group, we would get together and play EDH. All right, here comes the million dollar question. How would you describe CDH to an alien who has just come down to the planet and just learned how to play magic? It's, I mean, it's, you take EDH and you, it's, it's just a smaller card pool and it's playing with the, like the mo like not, I, so it's a meta within EDH and it's a meta that involves the most powerful cards in the format. I think that's that's how I've always thought about it. I mean, explaining it to some to an alien is like that. Then you got to get really you know metaphysical about it or whatever. But I think the simp <laughs> the simplest explanation is just it's 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 a it's a meta within EDH and it is a meta played with the most powerful cards in the format. And that's that's about it, you know. And it's played and it's played to be more consistent. I think is another earmark. Uh, consistency is a much is a much higher priority, um, probably the highest priority because you consistently want to win. You consistently want to make your deck do the thing that wins, right? Or stop other people from doing the thing that wins. So you want to consistently be able to, yeah, win or not lose. Uh, so yeah, it's. I think that's a, that. Those are like you could pare it down to three essentials. Like it's it's its own. It's it's a meta within another format. It is. A smaller card pool of stronger cards, and it's pared down to consistency. And there's there's more to it than that. There's a million more nuances, but those are, I think, the the easiest to parse. I think there's a billion other nuances too, just by the virtue of it being. Uh, I understand that CDH is still a four-player format, right? Like you're still yep. playing multiplayer. It's yep. not one v one. So, yep. what was that? like for you I, I mean obviously you said it's kind of progression right you go from the mm -hmm. edh deck to playing different casual games mm -hmm. and having a cube but did you have any sort of recollections of what it was like to actually play magic multiplayer because that's i have to i have to admit like for me that's not something i do a lot like i i do a lot of 1v1 uh mm -hmm. like alter my magic career or whatever mm -hmm. semblance of a career that is like what was that what was that like was it was it easy or is it just like natural for you uh what to play like a multiplayer format to play a multiplayer format and then the second part of the question is to play a multiplayer format in a competitive or competitive sense uh i mean i i love it uh i look at it now like i i don't remember like where my head was at you know three four years ago five years ago when we were like we're playing cedh now uh like i don't like because i'm sure like the the decks we were playing were also like all wonky you know like it was it wasn't what it is now that wasn't viewed through the same lens um but like i i, I love the the nuance of it i love the I love being able to look at it from like you you're not just worrying about your own game plan and one other person's game plan affecting you in this like balance of one person and another person like you're you're playing a game that is a rotating 3v1 um 
And I think that's that's the easiest way to kind of look at it. And that's that's how I consistently think of it. Um, the the formative story that's come about recently is we had on the channel, I had uh, Brian Koval on the channel and we told the story on uh, in, a, in a conversation I had with him recently. He tells this story from the other perspective. I tell this story all the time and it's the funniest thing in the world for, to me. It was me, him, uh, Jim LePage and, uh, and Tomer and we're playing CEDH and Brian casts a Gitaxian probe on me and looks at my hand and we do it uh, spell table style where Jim and Tomer put their heads down and I show the cards and Brian just goes, uh-huh. Close your eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, those two close their eyes and Brian, and Brian looks at the cards and just goes, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Okay, cool. Thanks. And I'm sitting there like my hand is like, I don't remember what was in it, but I assume it was just gas, you know, just like a standard CEDH of just like some of the cards are incredibly dangerous. Some of the cards are kind of flat right in that minute. And I'm used to playing with people who are always playing CEDH. And this is one of Brian's very early CEDH experiences. And so I'm used to like a reaction. I'm used to like, oh, that card's like, okay, guys, we got to watch out. Or like, oh, that's a bomb or whatever. Just like any sort of reaction. And Brian goes into it like a, like a statue. Like just absolutely gives zero information away. And... And I was like, oh, I'm pl- I'm playing with a stone cold killer right now. Like I'm playing with an actual murder machine. Like okay, like I, and so like to me that informed that informed his play style to me. And he tells it from the other perspective of like he played. He's used to playing like legacy and modern and all the like you know t- traditional one v one formats where you don't want to give away anything to your opponent. And so he's in his head, he's like, why would I reveal any information about this whatsoever? Not thinking that like telling the other two players like, hey, guys, like, you know, buckle up (laughs) is like to his advantage, you know, and also from the perspective of like, we're playing this competitively, but we're playing this competitively in front of 50 people right now. So like, or whatever, like let's, let's be in front of 11 people right now. So, (laughs) so like it, it also is to everybody's benefit for you to be like, Oh no, (laughs) you know, like for you to like yuck it up a little bit. Um, so, so like it was this big learning experience for both of us and, that's been a consistent thing of like thinking of it from a multiplayer perspective of like, yes, it's, it's to your benefit to be like, Hey guys, get ready for that problem. You know, instead of just sitting there playing everything super tight and I'm by no way, I am in absolutely no way like criticizing that play style or any of that like competitive one V one for anything like that. It was just like this meeting of two totally different worlds and mindsets that was this huge eye-opening experience for both of us um and so like that that i think sums up a lot of like well you know what's it like playing a four-player competitive format and it's like that's it that's the that's the experience right there is like when you're and and then like you take all that and then you twist it on the axis of like we're doing this for entertainment as well and I think that's that's a that's something that I'm like I try to be very very aware of is like 
you know, like last last night we're, when we're resolving that ad nose and, you know, like, oh, I'm going to stop here. And the other guy goes, oh, I thought you were cool. Come on, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> you know, it's like egging each other on for the sake of a joke is like it's it's funny. You might not want to make the most optimal play, but you want to make the most optimal play for the entertain. You want to optimize for entertainment at all. Like mm-hmm. the, I, that's what I want to do, you know, and that's what's creating a fun environment, you know, because I've I've had those games that are like everybody's like fucking got their blinders on and they're in the tank and everybody's focused and like that's cool that's a fun way to play you can there's definitely a there's a thrill that you, that i get out of that i and i oftentimes have to like break myself of that while i'm playing mm-hmm. uh if i'm not playing cedh or if i'm playing on somebody else's stream or whatever like i have to oftentimes like kind of shake myself of that and realize like okay okay like it's not it's not that serious right now. Like we're not, we're not going there. We're not trying to do that right now. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's the the big kind of roundabout, you know, vague answer. <laughs> Having said all that, is there something that you learned from Koval or maybe even Tomer, whom I understand they probably play more one v one formats? Like, is is there other are there other interesting things that you might have like gleaned from them or just just kind of taken away from them from that? Uh, from Tomer, it was like Tomer brought a uh, Gorg. Uh, what's the? It's like a Hydra commander. It's like a mono green Hydra commander, and brought it to the CEDH table. And just like he was like, yeah, I put a I put a mana crypt in it, and I was like, sick, let's go. And it's like you can like like people like to talk about like you know competitively viable and all that stuff, and it's like. Yeah, if you're playing in a tournament, then like, yeah, you want to bring something that's competitively viable. But if you're playing it just like a table, like it, it doesn't really matter. Like you can play something that's like way off meta and it it can still be a fun experience. And sometimes it can be an even more fun experience. Like when somebody's playing like wild, like hydras and stuff like that. And you're, and playing like spells that you don't expect that have like those gotcha moments. Um, so that that was something I picked up, and that that I kind of have believed for a long time is it's like sure sit down and play whatever the hell you want. It's gonna it's gonna change the game. It's gonna change the outcome of it. It's gonna change. It's like it might not then be a CEDH game or whatever. It's gonna be three people with like a tier zero deck and somebody with not. And this is again like I'm by no means criticizing Tomer or deck choice or you know being like Tomer didn't bring a CEDH deck. It was just like not what it was not expected it was not on on meta you know so mm-hmm. there's like you can play those decks and it and it has helped inform my idea of like you can you can build whatever the hell you want and, and jam it into cedh decks and sometimes it works and like i built this dalsam deck and i've been mainlining it forever and i brought it to I brought it to Copenhagen and played it in tier one and I went zero and five, but it, it made a, it made a showing people, people respected it after that. People were like, Oh, like that deck, like actually has like, maybe not legs, but like at least some sort of lateral movement, (laughs) you know, like there's that, like it, it, it's not like a, it's, I don't know. It's, I'd say it's not like a joke, but it kind of still is. But in any case, like there's like, you can you can take whatever you want and and jam it into CEDH pods and you know it may change the sanctity of the game you know it may change like if it, like you 
like if I if I'm jamming Dalsum into three different four color good stuff piles, which I did all weekend, like it's not gonna have the same showing. But you can play like wild like fringe decks and all that sort of stuff and play them at the same like with the same mentality with that same like i'm going to play all the spells to the best of my ability and play everything with proper threat assessment and all that sort of stuff and you can play it that way and you can you can play pre-cons that way you know you can go into it like i'm going to play this pre-con like i would play my yeah four color pile and and you can have the same you can have a, the same experience internally mentally of just like okay i have to play everything perfectly right now um so and and there's there's also like you can play yeah everybody having the the four color pile and playing everything to the to the best of your ability and like i I'd, I'd rather be i I'd, I'd rather be you know shouting at the top of my lungs you know i'd rather be cracking jokes and and wiling out the whole time so um and and yeah, I think it was it was an eye opening experience for for Brian when he was on as well, and I think it's definitely informed a lot of kind of how he's moved forward. And we had a really really cool talk about how um, about our kind of like di- like our our crossing paths, and that like he's moving from like always trying to go to events and and come out of it with like a, a prize or like a, a position in the wins. Uh, and I'm, I was trying to go to events and, and just try to jam 21 games of commander in 72 hours. And, and now I'm starting to look at it more like, okay, I'm here to work. And he's looking at it more like, okay, like I can look at this, like I'm here to play, you know, for fun. So there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's a, there's a learning curve with CEDH too. And it's, I think part of it is in making content of like, if you're doing it in a forward facing way, there's like, you got to kind of like yuck it up a little bit. You got to ham it up on well, Modernon, uh, Dan is the best example of this. As far as I'm concerned, nobody out there is playing games that are more entertaining or more fun where everybody's laughing the whole time and playing, but also playing like good cedh playing like tight um and yeah i'm 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 like rattling off and derailing right now but yeah there's there's like a million different things to take away from it but that's those are some thoughts in any case i've i've probably just dug my everybody's gonna be furious alan's making up cedh as he goes along You're actually the first person I've talked to on this podcast ever about CDH. Oh, so, uh, perfect! I'm glad Great. you're the. This be awesome. I'm glad you're the har- the harbinger <laughs> of uh, all things CDH here. We have uh, Alan Mental Misplay, the CDH <laughs> oh, authority, de- just laying defining, it down. See, this, this is it, guys. Play whatever the, you want. This is going right? to be like the the two minute sound sound bite. Like this is CDH by Alan mm-hmm. of Mental Misplay. No, I'm just going to say, play whatever you want. Like, just play any card in any deck. It doesn't matter. And play yeah. it. Don't worry about threat assessment. Just play whatever spells you want at any time. <laughs> by the way, I know, I know I'm kind of breaking the fourth wall by saying this, but I really, I really enjoy talking to you so far because every, every, it seems like I can always, I can ask like five questions from every sentence that you <laughs> like there's just so much I want to go deeper on. I just don't even know where to where to begin, where to end. But it's like I think you're sort of touching on the I don't even want to say complexity of magic. Uh CDH, it's more like the complexity of magic, which is like it's very hard to just generalize and say magic is played this way, right? Because it's also like <laughs> multidimensional because it's yeah. it's like 
I'm playing it this way and then you're playing it this way and then I'm seeing it this way. Um, which is really, which makes my question totally flawed to begin with. Like, what is CDH and what is it meant to be? And like, I'm trying to get you to, to commit to a soundbite, but it's, it's obviously not the way <laughs> it's going to go. <laughs> but I, I just want to know, like, how would you describe yourself as a magic player slash entertainer? And has that evolved over the years? Like maybe, maybe, maybe who you were, um, a few years back and who you are now, is there any difference? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the glaring difference is realizing that, that, that my words have weight and that they count. Uh, they matter. They matter to me. They matter to other people. People will listen. Uh, I try not to be negative. That's the most important part. And that's something I learned very early on. Uh, something I know from just me and who I am, uh, people, people listen to me and take what I have to say seriously um, when I'm serious, right? Because I'm, I'm mostly like 98% like, like, like boner jokes, right? Like, like most of the time I'm like, <laughs> like making boner jokes, right? But like, when I'm serious about something, like people take it to heart, right? So that's something I learned really quickly is like not to, not to pop off, right? Because it's very serious. Um, but I've also like that, like you know, oh, ninety-eight percent boner jokes is like I, that's also come from thirty years of learning when not to make boner jokes, right? <laughs> so so that's like like i've i just like there's so many instances of my mind of like saying the wrong thing in the wrong time and like looking back like all like like the the meme of like staying awake at night with the one time you said the one thing you shouldn't and like wanting to tear your own skin off because of how embarrassed you are about it like that's like like everything behind me forever of everything i've are are everything I've ever said is, is, is doing that, you know, in a continuous internal monologue. Right. So, so learning how to, yes, yeah, say, say things correctly is, is really important. Um, but yeah, as far as like who, who I am now versus like when I first started making content, it's like, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just there's more more voice, more more platform, more more people know who I am and and that and and if I say something serious, they might listen. You know, is is something I really try to take uh, take to heart. Is there something that you might tell if you had a time machine, you could go back and go to 2018 or whenever you started doing doing content? Like, is there something that you might tell the Alan from back then? Everybody, everybody who said don't do this to make money was correct. Um, <laughs> like that's they they are right. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's like the glib answer, but also the serious answer. Like every single person ever who has been like, yeah, don't go into this to make money, and said this like publicly, back channel, any of that, they've all it's all correct. Uh, <laughs> it's all one hundred percent correct. 
Um, otherwise, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know what I'd say to myself three year, the three years ago me who's sitting in a Brooklyn apartment. Just like don't like just be be present with the people around you. Be present with with your family. Be present with not the internet. Like the the real the real life shit's more important. There's also a lot that has happened around us in the last uh, couple of years. I mean, yep. how have you how have you managed that? Because you know, you already said you you love doing face to face stuff, right? You love yep. you love uh, hanging out with people physically, right? So, um, yeah, how how has that been for you the last couple of years? It, it sort of coincides with your progression as a content person, yeah. right? So the it it sucked. It sucked real bad. Uh, I, it's, it's, I'm not, uh, I'm not like crying every day, like, you know, in March of 2019, you know, like that's, that's cool not to like cry all the time anymore. Uh, but like we, me and my family, uh, we moved out of New York. I was in Brooklyn my whole life, uh, except for the brief, brief time I did like the secondary education thing, the higher education in Boston. But, uh. But yeah, I was I'm a Brooklyn Brooklyn native, Brooklyn born and raised. Um and and we were in a little two bedroom apartment in Brooklyn with a one year old and we're like, no, nah, we're done. Done, done. Uh it was not pleasant. It was not fun. It wasn't fun to like put on a hazmat suit every time I had to go to like the bodega for toilet paper or whatever. Like it sucked. Uh and my family's all up here. My wife's family is an hour from us, my family's 10 minute drive, my sister's a 10 minute walk. So we're, we moved out of New York to be by the support network. Uh, and now I'm here and that's, here's, I, I love New York and I miss a million things about it, but this is better. This is like, there's space. I can go outside in my backyard and let my three-year-old run around like a little lunatic instead of being in a little shit box, you know? That's the, that's what's changed is I've got a little more space now. Um, and yeah, not being able to see those friends who like I saw once a week for four years was brutal. But the flip side of that is I started playing those Skype games, you know, every, every week, every night, every whatever we would boot up and play online and learn how to do that. And I made a full new circle of friends. I'm, I'm still in the same Ramp Gang chat group, and I still love those dudes to death, but I got a lot of new people in my circle, in my magic circle, in my in different friend groups, in my confidence. Uh, like I said, like Modanon, like is, I, I hold them very dear as far as a, a friend and a confidant and a moral compass, and that's a relationship I wouldn't have without uh, the the bad times that we've had, you know, um, those are, those are some of the changes in any case. I mean, playing, playing magic over the internet, you know, it's like, like that's the easy answer. You know, I never would have thought I'd be, people ask what I do and I'm like, I'm in esports, I guess. 
<laughs> like like one of like my mom asked me like what do you do i was like just just tell people i'm in esports like <laughs> just tell her you're a radio personality for the just internet tell, how's that just tell them i'm in esports and she was like okay done she was like i don't know what it means but that's what i'll tell them i was like perfect <laughs> are you uh getting along well with your your family and your folks because you mentioned moving to be closer to them so how's that relationship good Good. I love it. Like, so we've, my folks moved back up this way in 2008. Um, so they had been out of New York for a while. Um, I was in Boston from 2001 till about 2007. And right after, so I went to art school and, uh, after, um, after that, I got a job after a couple different jobs, I got a job in a shoe store and uh, it was a chain that there's a couple of the flashy shoe store, right? So it's uh, John Fluvog Shoes is the name of it. So all, all you Canadians out there will recognize that one right away. Um, but uh, I worked for them in Boston and an opening happened in the New York store and I wanted to move back to New York. So, uh, so I managed to move back to New York without skipping a paycheck, which was awesome. Um, and then... I worked for them for like 10 years selling those shoes in Soho, um, which was pretty cool that I was able to work like a simple retail job and pay my rent selling shoes. But it they opened up more and more stores and did more and more web business, and it made my paycheck smaller and smaller because a lot of it was commission-based. Um, uh, but uh, I lived with my folks for a little while, and then they moved out of town. Um, and they moved up here because my folks have a – uh, summer spot up here as well and they just wanted to be able to be closer to there and be able to rather than hop in a car and drive for three hours to get up here they wanted to be able to hop on a boat and just sail over to the summer spot really easy so um so they moved up here and it took me a while uh to realize that i should be up here with them and it's because well one i love being near the water like that's everything uh, there's, it's, it's started to, like, I love it enough and post about it enough that it's starting to, like, people are starting to be like, oh yeah, Alan likes going for a swim. You know, I went to Copenhagen and I jumped in the canal. I found out you could swim in the canal there. I was like, oh, I'm going in for sure. This is like a goal number one now. Um, but, uh, that, that's a, that's an, I'm so pumped about that story. But in any case, um, I, I was in New York. Part of moving up here was like we had my I had a kid and somebody told me like you can I, I don't remember the exact what words they said, but like they were like you could buy a blue car or you could buy a red car and you can always like change what change it out. You can be like two years later, be like, oh, like I want the red car instead um, and switch it. But like if you, when you have a kid and your kid grows up away from your grandparent, his his their grandparents you can't like switch that out you can't undo that um and that hit me really hard and i was like nope i need him near his grandparents um so that was a big part of it and then my in-laws are here as well so he gets to be by my in-laws see them every once in a while you know so it was that was a big deciding factor is like being able to be near my family. So and it's been good. And like, I'm also like a first time home, home owner and 
my dad is like good at fixing stuff and my brother-in-law is good at fixing stuff and I'm a fucking pathetic city boy. So being able to call on them when I need help has been everything. That's huge. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I've been like I I'm just I thinking mean, of myself like I'm just totally lost like I can't even I don't think I can fix my toilet right now if something happened yeah, it's my, just like oh my goodness my pilot light went out I was like the house is gonna fucking blow up <laughs> <laughs> like this we're gonna have to just move it's doomsday right here <laughs> yeah so so yeah like that's been like I would not be able to like if we were like we're gonna get a house in the like uh, 300 miles the other way like I would have been fucked uh, but so I also didn't ask about uh, cursing or any of that sort of stuff. No, you're so I totally fine. If I'm like anything destroying goes your reputation, any, a- oh, perfect. Anything goes. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So that's like that's been everything. And then like you know like the occasion when I've been like, oh crap, like I have to. I have this commitment all day, whatever it is. I have to stream all day. I'm, I'm, I'm host, I'm casting a tournament, whatever, whatever. And wifey has to work and daycare is like, surprise, we're closed today, dummy. Uh, (laughs) then I can be like, Hey, uh, mom, dad, you want to hang out with like a wild three-year-old for seven hours today? And they're like, uh, sure. Right. <laughs> and then the, the, then they tell me, oh, we, we loved it. We love hanging out with them. And I'm like, okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> but I think they, they really do though. And they're always, I'm always like, how was he? And they're like, he was great. He was perfect. And I was like, this is insane to me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, being up here with them has been amazing and being able to like, you know, on, on like a Saturday afternoon have, hit up my folks and be like, yo, can we like go out and like go jump off the boat? And my pops is like, yeah, absolutely. You know, we can go eat sandwiches on the boat and then jump into the water. Like done is like, that's my dream. That's like everything I want is to be able to do that. Cause it's just, there's, yeah, it's so good. It's so, so good. So, and there was years when I didn't like going out in the boat with my dad years and years and years. I would, cause I felt like, like, when you're out in a boat, you can't be not in the boat unless you're in the water, right? Like, you, and with me, I was always wanting, I always want to do the next thing. I'm always fixated on like what I'm not doing, right? So as a teenager, that didn't sit well. Uh, you know, I'd be like, I want to go back. I want to be out the boat. I want to be at home. Um, so, but now it's like I relish it. I try to like soak up every second if I'm on a boat, you know, if I'm out there. I'm like really try to like be in that moment. And my mom is like really, really like swimming. My dad likes boats because he doesn't like swimming, which is really funny. Uh, he did. He didn't. He doesn't like being in the water, so he got into boats. He's like, my dad's. We. My dad's like. He's like a, a a small wooden boat historian. I think would be the like. <laughs> like he built. Like he'll read. He knows like a lot a, about boats. Sounds. He like. knows like a lot about really like a, he knows a whole lot about really really specific boats that are like he'll like read like a like a novel or like a historical book about the area and see a picture of like a small boat and be like and just learn everything about what that boat is what it was used for and then he'll build one right (laughs) which is like he built this 
this like it's like a 13 foot cat boat called the pickle boat and it was used in like the rivers like between here and massachusetts to literally transport jars of pickles and he was like yeah he just like built it and learned like and then like went out to the marshes and like gathered jute to like make the rope to wind the pickle barrels and stuff like totally like like he goes like like all the way in on that and then like we'll we'll rent out the local armory to like do a talk about it <laughs> so <laughs> so what you are doing for commander decks he has been doing for boats for a very long time he is like no, a no, boat no, historian not even, close. not even close this i i wish i i could approach anything that i do with the the craft and mindfulness and fucking just beautiful relaxed attitude that he has like he's just that's something that if i could take if if i could take pride in anything at all it's just the like his people like him he's well regarded and he has this beautiful soft way of talking about things and and being kind of excited about them but like so there's mannerisms that he have that he has that I just really want to just like ingrain in myself because I see the effect it has on people. Um, but I wish I could approach my deck building, my craft, my anything I do with the the thoughtfulness that he has and the relaxed like hey, if it happens, it happens. You know, we're just gonna do it. You know. Um, and I think a big part of that is like, he's always, he knows that he has to be like that. Otherwise he'll get wound up about it, you know? And I'm the same, like, I just, I'm, I get wound up so easy. I get so riled up about shit and just like need everything to be on this. Like when I travel, I want the itinerary to be like very, very clear. If it's not like, if I don't know exactly where I'm going to be at every moment, I start getting like, ah. What years ago, 2004, I went to Seattle and I got off. This is the first time I ever been out there. And I got off the plane while I was living in Boston. I got off the plane and I friends picked me up and they were like, what are you? I, you know, and I was like, what are we doing today? How are we getting there? What's the plan? And they were like, first of all, just chill out, like just fucking stop. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I get I get wound up about shit for sure. I can see why you might need a to do list. <laughs> yeah. So, but at the same time, like, I try to be like, yeah, it's fine. Like, whatever happens is going to happen. But I'm, like, not like that. Like, I try to be like that, but I'm not. Yeah. I think a it's big... really important just to just to be, like, true to ourselves, right? Because if you're not spontaneous in that way, then you can't really force that, right? Yes. A another part of, like, being relaxed about how stuff works out. So this is – so this is one that is, like, I wish I – I had taken more from it. Um, I trained Kung Fu for a long time. Uh, well, when I moved back to New York, uh, my, you know, my mom was like, you got to find something active to do. Cause I like swam in high school and stuff. And then, you know, drank a million beers for eight years in college or whatever. And looked like I only drank beer and ate Cheez-Its for eight years. Um, I mean, that's a sport too in itself. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I I had to retire from that sport. Let's put it that way. I, I've, I'm retired from that sport. Go out on um, top. I like that. What's that? Go out on top. Yeah. Um, eh, I wouldn't go that far. Um, I, I had to, I was, 
it, it, yeah, I, I don't drink anymore. Um, but uh, I still eat cheese food though. Yeah, kung fu, food, right? You got uh, into that. Um, so there was uh, in New York. There's always been rumors that the Wu Tang Clan learned about kung fu from a guy, uh, and then one day my buddy was like, "I found the fucking guy. I found the guy. I found him." And I was like, no. And he goes, yeah, it's the USA Shaolin Temple. Go there. And I went there. And I showed up in cut-off jeans. And... <laughs> Seeking <laughs> like enlightenment in the, uh, yeah. in the cut-off jeans. I like it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Sifu answered the door and was like... Or maybe one of the disciples answered the door and was like, we got another one. And they brought me in. And uh, and I was like, all right, what do we do? And they were like, you're gonna train with us. You train. And I was like, okay, sure. And I did like the 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 first class. You go, you show up for training. You pay a couple bucks, and you just follow along. They don't teach you anything. They're just like, do the things everybody else is doing. And I was like, uh, and I'm in cutoffs. They're like, that's what you're gonna train in. I was like, that's what I brought. <laughs> And I did the class and like, I couldn't walk for two weeks and it's, it's awesome. Like calisthenics, like action based, like you go back and forth doing like kicks down a line and then kicks the other way. And then it's, you know, whatever, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for two hours uh, <laughs> with like, you know, a little bit of stretching in between. And, uh, and then I couldn't like walk for three days or whatever. Like I was just like sitting down on the toilet, like, Oh, like like fully legs giving out uh and i was like cool sign me up i'll be back in three weeks i'm going on vacation i'll be back and i signed up and i trained for seven years at the uh the usa shaolin temple with xian ming i uh became a disciple i have a disciple name i am a 35th generation shaolin warrior monk it is a wild fact to tell people um but yeah i trained for years uh with shifu and I tried to, that's where I credit a lot of my exuberance, excitability, all that. Just like, like a lot of the exuberance and excitability comes from me, like being exhaustively trained in sales for 15, 13 years, uh, both in the shoe store. And after that, I got a job doing like consultative sales in, in Manhattan and New York city. And I learned more at that job than I did in the shoe store for sure. And so like, that's where I like learned to lean into that, like get other people excited about things. But the combination of that and the Shaolin training of like the mantra in there in the temple is more chi train harder. Right. So everything you do, you're putting, you're trying to put more chi into, you're trying to put more energy into You're you're fighting against yourself to do things as strong and crazily and exuberantly and as explosive as possible. Um, and so I took a lot of that, a lot of Sifu's energy, a lot of this, like he has these amazing messages that are like every day is your birthday. You know, you treat every day like it's your birthday. You just live like like these. If, if you watch like the videos of him speaking, he's he's. He has a lot of the same idioms and speech patterns that he goes through, but they're all like, so awesome. And I trained with him for a long, long time. And a lot of that rubbed off on me. And uh, I went into it thinking this is going to be like an exercise activity and came out of it like, like in, invested somewhat in the, the Chan Buddhism that they taught there um, because it is a spiritual 
it is a it is a religious institution as well. It's a 501c3. They are a temple. The New York City Shaolin Temple is, or excuse me, the USA Shaolin Temple is a, is a temple, you know? And I I tried to soak in a lot of that. And I never really like went deep into, I, I learned like a little bit of the histories of it, a little bit of the histories of the the temple and how the Kung Fu came to the temple and how the Chan Buddhism came to the temple and all that sort of stuff. But it... And it was long ago, long enough ago now that it's, it's hazy, but I tried to really hold on to a lot of it. And a big part of it was the Chan teachings of like being like fucking relaxed about things. Mm. Um, <laughs> like that, that really, I tried to hold on to, you know, it being, and also the action meditation, which is the training Kung Fu is a part of the meditation. Um, mm. and that kind of like doing this action, doing this explosive thing is part of your meditation, you know, rather than sitting there, it's learning how to move your body correctly. And then like when you're in a group of 30 people who are all kicking and as high as they can for two hours straight, there is like a, there's a, an energy that happens. There's a, a chi pool. There's this, like this it's it's an energy that's incomparable and um yeah training there had a big effect on me um and a, and how i approach like how it's not something i talk about a lot because it's such a personal and wild story <laughs> um but yeah i i i trained i got a disciple name the whole thing it was a big part of my life for a long long time and then it it fell off a fair amount when I started playing magic a lot more with my friends, but also fell off a lot more because of like a bunch of other stuff in my life that I was focusing on in a different way. How did you, how, how did it fall for you? Because I would imagine like doing seven years of that, that becomes a way of life, right? It's basically like, like, I'm not, I'm not saying I did Kung Fu, but when you do something that long and you get really into the mindset and it becomes a part of it becomes a part of you because it's not just an activity. As you said, it's, it's like a way of life. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of viewing the world and it's a communal thing. It must've been really hard to just like, I don't know for you, was it like a cold Turkey thing or was it like, no, a no, gradual... no, no, it was, it was, it was very, very much a gradual thing of just like, I mean, part of my brain and how it works is I will hyper-focus on one. And I think this is an ADHD symptom as well is I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, um, is hyper hyper fixation hyper focusing on one thing and then when the other thing catches my attention there's like a pivot that happens and mm -hmm. then i will focus on that thing and magic was one of those things for sure um that kind of like drew my attention away drew my time away drew all that away um and i'm still in communication with the temple i still um yeah, I, I'm still in communication with Sifu occasionally. I go visit him when I go to the temple and all that. I've got, if you can see, let's see, is it, is it up there? Let's see. Way up in the corner there is a hammer and a Shaolin broadsword. I, I trained with the hammer and the Shaolin broadsword. The Shaolin broadsword, not as much, but the hammer I trained with for a long time. Uh, I, and I, I did it, not know you trained with hammers. Wow, so <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I... <laughs> That is, so, and that, and my father made that hammer as well, so I could bring it. Oh, over. 
Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, bring it over. Yeah, I trained with this, like, there was no real, like, form for it or anything, so I had to just learn how to, like, incorporate it into the movements that I had been taught. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, training with this was amazing. I it There were elements of it that, like, I could feel where it was affecting, like, nerves in my back because of the way I was moving it and stuff, but mm -hmm. the strength mm -hmm. and resistance training with this that I learned, like, Sifu told me real fast, like, don't hit anything with that. Do not hit anything <laughs> with this because it will explode it. Um, it it's it's really well balanced, which is my favorite part about it. But yeah, Sifu told me like don't hit anything with that. Only hit the air with it. He said, um, and the 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 handle itself is like all like smooth from basically palm grease because I trained with it for so long. It weighs about 13 pounds. It's not crazy. It's not like an obscene like resistance hammer. Like I know that some like like strength trainers train with like 20 pound hammers and stuff like that. But yeah. the balance, I can't swing it around in here also because I've got zero room above my head. But yeah, yeah, I trained with this for a long time and it made me real, real strong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like like really strong. Um, yeah. Do you ever, uh, do you ever bring that bad boy out during your streams? Just like, just like, I am Alan of the Hammer or something like that. No, nobody. Uh, it's it stays up here for the most part. You know, it just kind of chills up there. It's it's yeah. kind of unwieldy. Um, All right, so. you gotta show me the sword. I I see the sword. Oh, can you can you this show is, me? This is just like standard. Like this, I'm. This is just like, it's like the like Shaolin Rod sword. So it's got the kind of. <laughs> The, right, the pop right. to it. Just standard. Uh, Alan says, like you know, everyone should have a sword in their in their basement nothing, or attic. Nothing, nothing crazy. It's not uh, self defense. Not, I, I'm trying to like it's it's cool looking. It's shiny. Um, yeah. It's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. That that I didn't train with as much. I did like like a seminar and then like trained the form with it a little bit afterwards. But that wasn't yeah. like something I was really like focused focused on. So that's um, but yeah, training at the temple like really rubbed off on me in that like, a lot of Sifu's mannerisms and kind of his philosophy of yeah living more, you know, living mm -hmm. like with more chi really really rubbed off on me and also like the Chan aspect of it of like trying to like be more relaxed about things, letting them happen and. You know, there, there's also like the the deep history of the temple itself. That's like totally wild, wild, wild. The stories about like like Damo and all that that are that are like these just epic, epic stories. Um, but <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Did you ever find out if Wu Tang actually trained there? Because I always yeah. assumed that they got their stuff, their source material from watching VHS tapes of like you know martial arts movies. That's kind of where the they got their thing. The Rizza was was uh, Sifu's first disciple. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Okay. Was there a photo of him on the wall or something? Yep. Or I've just... met him. I've met him multiple times. <laughs> and what, what's uh, what's he like in person? Very very serious. <laughs> I, I could tell that even from not being in person, like just watching him talk. You know, when I, he's not doing music. 
I tried to take a picture with him and he punched me in the stomach. <laughs> no photos, huh? Okay. <laughs> or he just wanted to be caught in the photo punching you. It, it wasn't like a full on like like it was kind of like like get at like a get mm. out of here kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. um but, serious uh, dude, huh? Yeah. He, yes, but and Sifu calls him Bobby, which is the, fu- the the most amazing thing. And he's like, "Oh yeah, Bobby." Wait, is that his, that's his real name or something? Yeah, Bobby. Okay. Yeah, Bobby Digital. Okay. <laughs> that's Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he'd be like, "Oh, Bobby, Bobby's coming." Oh, you seen Bobby? Bobby's new movie, whatever. Like, yeah, well, well we're gonna go see Bobby's movie. Yeah. Right. So yeah, the, so I don't know if all of them trained, but I know, I know Bobby sure did. Uh, and I believe he was Bobby was there first disciple. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yeah, <laughs> this, I told this to somebody recently. I was like, yeah, I trained, you know, Kung Fu for like seven years and was disciple the whole thing. And they were like, this is the most insane story. Like I, this is something that nobody knows. Like it's like he, uh, Ian comedian was like, this is my favorite Alan story ever. Like, this is my favorite fact about you. The best thing I've ever learned about you. Like it's, and it's, it's, yeah, it's not something like I, I talk about a lot, but it was yeah. formative for like, I, I've, I've stuck on this word recently formative. There's a couple words I've like rotated into my, my uh, lexicon, but formative is one of them. And training the temple was formative uh, to say it was formative is the massive, massive understatement. So I've, I've always, I've honestly, I've, uh, through the pandemic, Sifu did like uh web classes basically. And I've always wanted to get him on my stream and either do a talk or just do stretches, just start the morning stream with like some stretches with Sifu would be like the best thing in the world. So I'm, right. I may right. reach out to him, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely something I've thought about a lot, a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot, um, is not a lot, but it's something that every once in a while I'm like, I should just like do like a birthday stream and do like a 12 hour marathon and just like, you know, three times throughout the day have Sifu show up and like we do our like stretches and shit it would be incredible. <laughs> I mean, you, you should do it. You could do it tomorrow. I mean, you don't have to yeah. wait till it's your birthday. As he says, it's every day is every your day birthday, is your right? birthday. That's right. Yep. doesn't have to be That's your right. birthday. Every day is a special occasion. So yeah, that's that's just wild. Um, I, I I have not done uh, kung fu or martial arts, but I have recently started reading texts on Buddhism. Like okay, so I, right. I grew up I grew up as an altar boy. I grew up Catholic fully. Okay, like, you know, bapti- baptized, confirmed, the whole nine yards, and mm-hmm. uh, no longer so- no longer a practicing Christian. I'm I'm lapsed, but I've been trying to explore different things, and I've actually found. Uh, Wow, that was a long setup. I found I found like the um, sort of the ideas of Buddhism to be very interesting, even for content creators. So mm-hmm. uh, I think one thing I don't know if like you 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 absorb this during like I guess there's so many different sects or schools of Buddhism, but I've been really into like the whole Zen Buddhism and beginner's yep. mind kind of mindset. Okay, uh, not so familiar. Are, are you okay? So so basically, in the beginner's mind, there are infinite possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are a few. Okay. And that's kind of how I th- I'm trying to, I mean, obviously nobody's perfect, but I'm trying to use that more in my content because it's like there are no, basically it's like saying there are no sacred cows, right? So whether I'm recording my 200th podcast or I should probably try to treat this as like keeping an open mind to like the possibilities, right? So I think this is fairly applicable for content or for building magic decks. It's like if you cannot 
stay open-minded, then you will never see the possibilities or you will be like tunnel visioning. Uh, you'll have too much tunnel vision, which prevents you from, from growing. So I'm really trying to, I'm really trying to like put that into practice. And this is, yep. this is a really odd thing to say in the middle of this interview, but it's like, I I'm really like, since we're here, <laughs> like yeah, of course. it's something I'm trying to do, trying to be more intentional about it, which is kind of ironic, right? Being intentional about, about having a beginner's open, mind. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I like, I, I feel like there are lots of things that you learn from, uh, beliefs or ways of thinking that can be applied to to content. And I, and I, I thought mm -hmm. you seemed like a thoughtful dude. So I thought I would share that with you. So, yeah, that's awesome. And I love it is the being open. And it's like, it's, it, it's an extremely relevant parallel because it's something that I see people struggle with all the time is trying to find a format or piece of content or whatever that sticks that people want to <clears throat> watch that is going to appease the almighty algorithm you know and something that a lot of people do will they'll just like like i think of it as you throw stuff at a wall and see what sticks you know exactly and so the the beginner's mind philosophy that you mentioned is very much like something that people go to it's like i'm just going to keep making videos and 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 see what people like um but i found the most important thing and this is something i took from rebel is uh do do and and this is also something that is a luxury uh but do the content that you want to make uh and that's right. going to be the best content for sure and find out what people like about it and then improve on those parts or find out what's successful about it and improve on those parts or what's not successful and remove those parts but it's important to make the content that you want to make and i do understand that that is a luxury not everybody is able to just make whatever they want and not care about whether it does good or bad like it there is a very very important distinction to make about like you can't do that because if you're in it to live uh you can't just make whatever the fuck you want um you have to make what is going to succeed um yeah. but there's no guide for it there's no guideline so you have to find out what's going to succeed and that's where it comes back to that beginner's mindset a beginner's mind philosophy is that sometimes you have to be open and just make stuff until one of those things stick um with me i've definitely just like found an idea that i think is like amazing or hysterical and just like wrote it to the ground um or or put it out anyway and just okay i'm doing it i don't care like if it fall, i don't care that the my temporal extortion videos fall flat. I think they're the funniest thing in the world. Um, <laughs> so like, like I think that is just absolutely the height of comedy, the best way to do deck techs. It's hysterical. I sent you one of them. I sent you the one with Sinestra. I watched and... it with Sinestra, Sinestra, right? Yeah. Sin yeah. Sinestra and Charles. It's a double, the only double feature we've done of those. And like, like I just had this, I was inspired by so just to, just to explain to people who may not have seen that, like you're basically asking people to uh, categorize their entire EDH deck in five minutes and then also answer a series of rapid fire questions. And yes, I guess there's like a ticking time limit. Yes. Uh, right. Is that how is that? The, so, is that so the way it came about was uh, the Vegas, the, the, the first Vegas MTG Vegas from the after the pandemic. Right. 
Uh, I didn't go, but I was watching people's content and I seen Alex Kessler making these modern deck techs. Um, and the deck was all laid out. It was all presented and it's really easy to, to, to sort a modern yeah, deck. Yeah, it's like those it's Pro just... Tour SCG deck techs. It's, all, it's mm -hmm. all meticulous already, right? Yeah. It's, it's easy to sort a modern deck because it's four of. It's just four. You just put piles of four or whatever. And I mean, less now, like it's decks are less four of now, but... I started thinking about it, and it was one of those, like, you know, in the shower at 1 a.m. in Nature's Embrace, you know, the green mana sources or whatever, and and uh, and and I was like, well, how would you how would you translate that to a, an EDH deck tech or a CEDH deck tech? Because everything's like, a singleton, yeah. <laughs> and and then so my first thought is, well, how do you sort it? And then my second thought, my immediate second thought was the sorting needs to be part of the video. And then it formed from there into, well, the sorting is going to be part of the video and it's going to be timed and you have to sort your deck and then answer. And then whatever time is left over is for questions about the deck. So it, it's awkward. It leaves this awkward space where if you don't have three other people around you making fun of the person sorting it, it kind of falls flat. Um, so I like and I try not to distract them. But at the same time, like I should like I should be filling that empty space. Um, but. But then like. Like I, I chose – so then my, my co-host, Cyrus, was like, well, you need a playmat with the things on it so with that people zones. know you're his – yeah. his exact words were, you need the playmat so that people know you're serious, uh, <laughs> which is like <laughs> – so I made the playmat. I made it – I made the playmat and it's hysterical. It's just the stupidest like – it's got the name of the show on it. It's oh, I love it. I love it's, it. It's it's got the the our eight sections. We've got land, utility, yeah. land, draw, ramp, uh, synergy, answers, win cons, and the grump, which I got from Scoop Phase, which is anything that doesn't fit into the other categories. Right. And right. Uh, Ian has been consistently making fun of me for this these these piles because they're kind of like ambiguous, right? Like you could take like there's no there's no section for tutors so you have to kind of just like figure out where you want <laughs> tutors to go right because they don't really fit yeah. into any of those um, and like it's I up love to... that part of the Sinestra video where it's like I think I think it was either himself or somebody was telling them like everything is in ramp like just put all your 99 <laughs> cards into ramp that was hilarious I love that part yeah just all goes into ramp it doesn't matter um, but. So yeah, it's you you sit down and ideally it's a CEDH deck, right? Where you can actually have these things like with a standard EDH deck, you can also divvy up everything into these piles, but I find it's a little harder to put a regular EDH deck through that sifter and have it fall out into those piles. Um and the other thing about it is these people like CEDH pilots know these decks inside and out, right? They know this deck mm -hmm. Like, they know every card in it. They know what that card's role is. But then when you say, like, is that card ramp? Is it synergy? Is it a win con? You have to start thinking of these cards in a specific definition. And it might not be a definition that you immediately...
immediately can translate. So right. it becomes a difficult endeavor to sort it into this pile. And I've done it with some people who are just monsters. Uh, Rebel and uh, Charles, just without blinking, just and I've done it with other people who just totally break down or just like, I can't, I like it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. They'll they'll put things into individual piles. They'll be going through it in the hand. Like and so it's awesome to see how people's heads translate that task. And then the questions are super, super simple questions. They're the easiest questions in the world. But after two and a half minutes of freaking out, it's like the the person's like a little bit frazzled, you know? So I I think it's a really, really funny piece of content and i'm gonna keep doing them for sure i've also had to learn to break out of my own like head and being like hey you want to do this deck tech now instead of being like hey guys like you want to do this like funny thing you know like i have to just be like hey let's do this deck tech now it's live it's five minutes go 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 and get like two or three people to come in and be like "Ah!" (laughs) and that because like in the in the in the video I sent you, like you can hear the people in the background, like the peanut gallery going off the whole time, and it's it makes yes. the video like a hundred times funnier. You need it, that. You need that yep. peanut gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I I'm wondering, was there a prize or something? Because I felt like they were really like fighting for their lives. Like they were actually <laughs> the characters in Squid Game. Like you know, if I don't if I don't do this, I'm gonna fall down the pit and die. Like what what was it's, like? It's how do just, you get that? How do you ratchet up that tension? Have, it's just the timer. Just you put a timer next to them, and it just they hype just it up. Freak out that people just are like, and and also like consistently being like, there's one minute down on the timer, and then other people will pick that up and start being like, we got one minute left. Oh, just you got the reminders, yeah, yeah. The reminders yeah. get people freaked out, and it takes you out of the card. Like you could be card sorting and and be like in the zone and and not. And then when somebody's like, that's one minute down, they're like, oh my god, like they. It, it takes you out of it and makes you have to like re get back into the role of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I can also watch and see how many cards are in somebody's hand when it gets down to like 20 cards or whatever and be like, okay, you only got a couple to go. Like you're getting there, you know, and yeah, there's no, there's no prize or the prize is like, I don't know. You get to show off your like blingy deck or whatever, you know, the prize is yeah. you get to do it. <laughs> Would you say that's kind of the Allen or maybe even mental misplay aesthetic, which is like almost like a manufactured or deliberate chaos? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that I've tried to lean into like very, very hard is that like there's this kind of like wacky gonzo, like you're in the element, you're in gonzo, the Gonzo, that's play. a perfect word, yeah. Um, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm forever mad that, that Rebel thought of uh, with her untitled videos uh, passing around the the phone to film gameplay is the most immersive, the most mind-boggling gameplay experience that's, ever. That's brilliant. That's it brilliant. is the best thing. I'm, I'm like, I will forever be jealous and like like there's this big like push for like be be happy for other people's success be happy like celebrate other people's wins right. and all that but I'm, to actually literally do it or to change the point of view that's just like crazy I'm, right that's there's like 4d so like i'm i'm so pleased with rebel's success and so psyched to see her st- uh like figure out this amazing 
format for recording commander games i will forever be tight as fuck that she came up with that because i want to be like it's so smart it's so good um so uh but yeah i try to yeah like that's a that's a pretty good like a manufactured chaos but like also a a very deliberate like bringing other people in on it you know like getting the chat involved in it maybe not with like a chat chaos where they're like you know making you draw extra cards or anything like some of my amazing peers do um but like a um like yeah just having other people like be a part of it you know the community deck building is huge 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 and there's other people who have uh, come before me doing the community uh, deck building who have done such incredible jobs um and really inspired me to do it as well uh chase is one of them and i know uh, uh commander mechanic does a little bit of it as well and that like was a huge it's a huge inspiration for me and i am so thankful to the people who did it before me but um the i always try to like recognize where i'm getting these inspirations from but at the same time i also try to like yeah like you said create this manufactured chaos but also have it be immersive i think is really really important so that's why pulling people in into the group as well yeah yep and so that the 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 temporal extortion deck tech is like it's so like wacky and stupid like it's it's got a and it's I've never really watched all of like the the Billy on the street interviews and stuff like that, but like that's the energy that I I see it and I'm like that's what we want to be doing. A really big inspiration for me was there is a I was telling Veggie about this on our car ride recently. There is a an old I think it was on Adult Swim. It was a fake kids show called Wonder Showsen, and it was like a there was puppets and stuff, but they would have this segment with a little girl in like a trench coat with the microphone with the mic flag on it. And it was called beat kids. Uh, and it would, the, the theme was, it would be like kids on the street, kids on kids on the beat, kids beat on the kids. beat. Yeah. Beat yeah. kids. And then it's like these two fists with knuckles that say beat kids on it, which is like, these guys are obviously like running this as far as they can to like be inflammatory. But then like they send this girl to wall street and she says, hey, I'm here. And she's like a little, little girl. And she's, I'm here on Wall Street asking all the Wall Street people who they've exploited today. <laughs> and she's running up to Wall Street dudes on Wall Street with a microphone going, hey, I'm with B-Kids. Who have you exploited today? <laughs> and these dudes are like, <gasps> and it's like, I'm not trying to do like, like, I'm, I'm not trying to like prey on people like that. Like, I feel like. Like, like to use the word, yeah, you're, you're being good humored about it. I would say, yeah. yeah. But the closest, the the closest move was like, like going um when I went to Marquesa and did the, the, I don't, the floor coverage. We'll just call it floor coverage with the the mm. selfie stand and the microphone. Yeah, and, tournament coverage, right? Yeah. Yeah, I sent you that video because that video has one of the funniest bits of all time in it, which we thought of in the car on the way to the tournament, which is asking people the what their three favorite creatures in their commander deck are. And it's like these people who are so in the zone at the tournament. They're so 
like focused on what their deck is, what all the mm-hmm. cards do and all that. Yeah. And I'm like, what are your three favorite cards? And they rattle off. They'll be like Dockside Extortionist, Thassa's Oracle, and the the commander, you know, Timna. And I'm like, all right, Dockside Extortionist, Timna, Thassa's Oracle, fuck, marry, kill, go. And the reactions were so, so funny. And like, I... Like, I want to be doing the floor coverage professionally, right? Like, professionally. Um, I want to be... I want to get paid to do it. Um, I want to... I want to do that... I want to do that on the Wizards main page. I I literally want to be on the Magic main page at whatever Command Fest, and they can cut away and be like, and now to Alan live on the floor. But, like, I can't do Fuck, Marry, Kill on on the Wizards main one, right? Might have to Um, tone it down a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's like, the... To me, like, it was the funniest joke of all time. And we thought of it in the car, like, on the way there. We were crying laughing uh, because the setup is so perfect. It's, what's your favorite... What's your favorite, three favorite creatures? And so, like, at Command Fest, I started doing it a little bit as well. When I went to Richmond, you could be like, oh, what commanders did you bring with you? Name three commander decks you brought with you. And people would name three commanders, and then I'd be like, all right, fuck, marry, kill, go. And it's like, these people, like, I think I did it to, like, Krim or somebody. Uh, And it was like, you know, people who are so used to, like being forward facing and being asked questions where the lead up's going to be easy and they're going to yep. expect what happens. The real and then questions that, that yeah. comes out mm-hmm. of nowhere. And it's just the funniest fucking thing in the world. And it's, the, the worst part is I know it's coming. So I'm holding the selfie stick and you're trying and, to suppress your, your, yeah, you're trying not to give it away. Right. And so. you could see, I sent you the video. You could see me literally go, what are your three favorite things? And they say, it, and I go, okay. And then I look at the camera and I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and like, cause I, I know it's coming. It's the fun. So, right. So yeah, there's like a manufactured chaos, you know. There's this kind of like, like I want it to be like, uh oh, Alan's showing up. Like, what kind of stupid nonsense is he gonna ask? So when I went to the, the new Capenna thing, I was doing trivia, you know, and I made sure the questions were like, there was like one question about magic, and the rest of them were like oddball questions that were way right. way off, you know. Um, right. So, like, I, I that's something that I want to work into it is rather than just being like, how are you today? What's your what are you playing? What events are you doing is to also have something like specific to the event that is also like a gag. Yes. Um, so yes. and then like the easy one that I that, that we came up with was like, OK, say. This is something I asked. I did this to at least two people. I would be like, all right, all right, okay, here's a good one. Hypothetically, hypothetically, this is a hypothetical situation. If you went on a four-day trip or five days, four nights, and uh, five days, four nights away from your home, uh, would you say five, four, four pairs of underwear is appropriate? Or would you think that that person, hypothetically, this is not, not me, a hypothetical person, if they only brought four pair, three pairs of underwear on that trip, would that person be a wild animal? Uh, would you think that person is disgusting? Um, or is my wife wrong? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do little comedy bits. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so like there's, there's like, I, I want there to be like like those really wild like off off the wall 
moments and like the billy on the street ones are perfect it's you you know you have a pack of magic cards and it's like name name two commanders for for a pack of theros you know whatever like trash pack you know you have and like name this name this for a pack name this for a pack do this for a pack is like that's a little too on the nose but at the same time it's like kind of funny but that's that's like a little a little too abrasive i do like the interview the back and forth but then like while you're doing that you say something that puts somebody on the back foot but not in a not in a predatory way that's the important yeah. part is you don't want to do yeah. it in a way that is there's other words for it but yeah predatory you don't want to do it in an exploitive way Right, right. Um, so you're not trying to make them uncomfortable. It's just like you're throwing them a little bit of a curveball, right? Yes, Because like huge... most of the time people are expecting just like softballs. So you're <laughs> yep. just giving them a curveball once in a while. Yeah. And yeah. it and it and then like once the viewers catch on that like, you know, if I'm doing this to like every they'll want to see if I'm asking every person this question, or if it's not every person, they'll watch to see if every person gets this question. And They'll watch to see what that per that's that's the punchline. They'll watch to see if that punchline's there and watch to see for that punchline. So that's like a a goal for sure. Yeah. So, but but yes, have you had to have you had to manufacture it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's yes. That's that's and through everything we do, through the wacky commander games, through me, I made like the stupidest meme today, and I was so happy with it. Like that's and that's like the that's the the goal that's what we're trying to do that's what i like to do anyway and i know cyrus has that kind of like cyrus has a uh, a meme page on instagram called mtg dude and it's just this like there's he's been hitting them out of the park recently they get they're so funny so what were you gonna ask though i'm sorry uh, no i mean this is great i, I was just gonna ask so have there been times where you do where you do these sorts of gonzo interviews where you have somebody who's just kind of flabbergasted so they don't actually know how to respond to fuck Mary kill. Did, have you had to like cut segments out because of like, cause, cause you know, like sometimes people are just not in that wavelength at all. Right. It's yeah, not, yeah. it's not anything against you or them. It's just like, like, it, like, cause you know how, like, you know how, like when TV spots, right. Or cable TV or shows, they do their person on the street stuff. Obviously they're cutting out the stuff where it's like super awkward or, mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know, the girl asks the wall street banker and, and somebody actually gets super angry and it's not yep. pleasant or whatever. Yep. Um, they cut those parts out. So have you had like a lot of outtakes as well on this? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. There's been some outtakes. Um, some, some stuff that was like less than pleasant, you know, uh, has definitely like nothing like egregious nothing like like oh my god like if i show this like the world's gonna end but just like somebody who was like maybe negative about something that i was like no we don't need to show that um part sections where like i kind of lost control of the mic and the person would just like it just didn't stop um which this has been like your entire experience talking with me uh um uh there's uh there's been others like so the 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 balance is like i always like it's easy for me to go up to people i know people my peers my content creator peers and talk with them right it's so so easy to do that um but it is it's comfortable for me but i also want to give voice to people who don't have that platform who haven't made that self platform uh, but what I ran into right away is, and I love, I love people out there playing Magic. I love that that 
just people from the kitchen table from the LGS are out there going to game shows. But this, the truth of it is uh, a lot of Magic players are not socialized, are not uh, are not used to being on in a forward facing way. So if I'm like, I've, I've literally, there was a dude who I was like, Hey, you want to talk to the camera for a minute? And he was like, yup. And I was like, how you doing today? He was like, good. And I was like, Oh cool. What are you here to do? He's like, buy cards, play cards. I was like, Oh, anything exciting you're trying to do is buy cards, play cards. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> you know, he was just like one yeah. word answer. You got you got You got to add a little extra for the camera. You have to. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like stuff like that. Like that's been my real like, or people who are just kind of like, um, right. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. been like, so those are like the real, like, okay, we don't need to put those up. And then I had like one other experience where a guy was like being negative about something. And I was like, okay, like, mm-hmm. and it, the thing is I'm live, right? <laughs> so when I'm doing them, I'm live. So it's like yeah. anything could happen. Like, it's not just me, yeah. anything could happen. So it, and like that's sometimes something... it's like, where's the, where's the noose, right? Where's the noose? Yeah. Where's the the um the the like the the Michigan J Frog style the 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 cane where you pull them off the stage? Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, that's like that's part of it is that because I'm live, like you could guy you could get the kid in there who's like I like turtles, you know, or like any of the other uh, memes. Um, but like. That that's another one that I've run into. I want I want to do it so bad, and I'm just so like the risk is so like outweighs the reward almost. You're I just wanted, you're just chasing that adrenaline, right? Like a junkie. I, I want to do. I've done it twice, uh, three times maybe. Uh, spell table pickup games live. Um, yeah. where you just go into the spell table lobby and you say, "Hey guys." we're going live. You ready? And they're like, and you know, as people get into the, the t- channel, I'm like, guys, I want you to know we're going to be live on my channel. You could watch it here. And I, I love the idea of it. And the risk is just astronomical. <laughs> like the, I don't, I cannot, I'm getting think... goosebumps just thinking about it. Like I cannot... what if this person yes. is X fill in the blank. Yep. The, the risk outweighs the reward. Uh, so I've only done it a couple times. I want to do it so bad. I want to do it all the time, but it's like the other part of it is like the games are just kind of like, meh, they're like, okay, games, they're not like incredible or anything. And, and the people are like, they're not the, the people playing spell table are not like on, right? Like I want to get a pod live that is like everybody's on full blast and three people who showed up to play spell table magic aren't necessarily going to be like like klaxons on max you know so that's the other part of it is it's like maybe not the most entertaining um but that's something that like I think about a lot. Like I, I what think, is uh, what is it about you that is so thrill seeking? Like you seem <laughs> really turned on, for lack of a better word, about this chaos, right? I, it just I feel it's it's the entertainment value of it, right? Is like so. Okay, so so we can go back here. We can we can dial it way. We can rewind way way back. I went hey, wherever to, you want to go, my friend. <laughs> I went to art school. Uh, 
I did this is so and you're 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 like connecting things that like I'm not connecting here which is amazing uh, I went to art school and I I did fine art photochemical photography uh, it in art school that was like what I did there uh, and before that I had done six years of before college I did four years of photochemical photography in high school and two years in junior high school so I was like and I my dad had a photo studio in Manhattan before he did like was deep, deep on the boat stuff. He did uh, commercial photography. So I like grew up in a photo studio. So that's something that like was like burned into me was, was like in high school, like I was exhaustively trained in, I went to like a high school in Brooklyn that had at the time, I'm sure it's still, but had one of the best, had the best photography programs in America. Um, and our teacher would sit us down and just go through the the magnum uh photography club like like books of like brisson and all them and just be like this is what good photographs look like this is this is good composition this is good contrast this is what good photographs look like so all that was like drilled into me and after six years of it i was like i want to do industrial design so i went to the school that i did because they had an industrial design program and while they were doing like I've I've had enough of photography and and then like while I was doing like the year one, like do all the different classes, I was like, oh, wait, I'm super good at this. <laughs> like I was like, oh, I'm I, I'm actually like the six years of my doing this actually made me good at it. Uh, so I went back into it and I did it in college and I had a blast and I did all different types. I did a lot of like uh, large format um uh, from the German, the Bescher School of uh, Large Format ph Industrial Photography of like the big square buildings and stuff like that. That like really struck a chord with me. I really, really liked that kind of uh, subject. But then there, the portraiture that came out of that school as well really interested me of like the simple portrait of like the Avedon style, like plain portrait on the white background but i was also like in that chaos thrill seeking mode in college of like i have all these rowdy art school friends and we're gonna be rowdy idiots all the time and so i tried to like find a way to tie that in and i ended up and this was like at the time where jackass was like a mainstay a cultural the, force let's put it yeah, that way uh, uh, i was gonna say a mainstay in the cultural zeitgeist right like they were it was their time um and that had an effect on me and so i really i ended up doing a whole series of photographs where i would get my friends my buddies and they would be in front of this white backdrop and i was doing medium format portraits and i had this wooden kitchen spoon with a nice curved handle or a nice curved like spoon part and i it, either i had a remote for the camera and i would smack the shit out of them right on the love handle and take a picture and <laughs> and the portraits that it made were incredible because everybody reacts to it differently Everybody... It's so unique, right? There's, it's so antithetical to, you know, pre-planned, like, set up the shot. Like, it's so unique. Well, the, the shot's all there. It's all perfectly composed and lit and the whole thing. But the element of what this person is going to do is totally 
you can guess a little bit if you know the unknown person, basically but right? there's an unknown yeah. of whether somebody's going to burst out laughing whether they're going to cry or get mad or what and i i did a big grid of uh i think it was 16 or 20 portraits um of all that I did myself and I did, it was mostly people like it was all like a bunch of 20 somethings, you know? So it was like a little homogenous as far as the subject, uh, cross section or group or whatever you want to call Backgrounds, it. Backgrounds. Like sure. it, yeah. it would have been cool to have like, like uh, old people and young people or whatever, like a whole yeah. like, mix mix. But yeah. the, but yeah, it was mostly just my stupid art school friends. But these, the portraits were wild, and I ended up writing this whole thesis on like violence as a spectator event and shock culture and jackass culture and all that sort of stuff. So it it does tie back that performance, that performative violence or performative chaos. Um, it's yeah, I don't I don't know what I don't I don't know what it is in me that is drawn to it, but it's I see the entertainment in it. I and I love it. I think it's the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> so I think that's the answer right there. You're an artist. Like you're you're a creative person and I think I think it's true for everybody. Like everything that we have experienced in our lives allows us to be what we are today. So whether we're doing magic content or I'm just interviewing you right now, like everything that in my lived experience allowed me to do this today. And that's yep. just, that's just the facts, right? So yep. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just like one creative or chaotic thing after another. It just, it just snowballs, right? Yep. So that's, it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 and I'm, I'm always trying to be, more than the sum of those parts as well. That's something I like the, the phrase more than the sum of its parts is like always rattling around in my head. And when I see things that fit that it they, they resonate with me as well. So I'm, I'm trying to be that as well. You know, I'm trying to be. Yeah. Big. Well, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, like, is there a dark side to that? Is like, are you feeling like you need to, push yourself in terms of content or trying to like constantly one up your game in some way? I, yes, but it's in a, that's, that's in a logistical and lucrative sense. Like that's, I need to one up the game in, in the hamster wheel sense. I need to <clears throat> make that piece of content that's going to break through the barrier and be viral or whatever. You know, like that's the, that's the one-upsmanship that comes from it. And it's, and, and also like chasing, like being, like being on a bigger platform, being seen by more people, all that sort of stuff. So like that is a driving force. And that's part of like having done sales for 13 years is like the toxic hustle culture. I joke about it a lot, but also like, it's a driving force for me is mm -hmm. like trying to make this lucrative, trying to get trying trying to make this lucrative honestly is extremely important to me mm -hmm. um because i want it i want i want to be able to do this as a i'd like to right now you know i'm saying this right now you know it could two years from now i could be like i, I want to build boats or what like you know like it could the the distraction could at any moment it could happen and i could hyper fixate on something else but right now i want 
I want to, I'm having fun doing this and I want to be able to do this and have it be a job. And so like mm-hmm. I made the switch recently of like calling it a job, you know, and I tell my kid, I put my kid to bed and I say, okay, I got to go to work now. And I go downstairs and I stream, you know? Mm-hmm. So like calling it mm-hmm. work, calling, going to command fest and going live work, you know, rather than like, I'm going to go play <laughs> is, is a big switch that I had to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the, the one upsmanship is just like making it viable, you know, and finding the next thing that's going to also be a revenue stream, finding the next thing that's going to be that I can fixate on that's going like I want to make I've got this like I've got an idea for shirts. I think that I've got a I've got an idea that's been beaten around for shirts that I think is going that to I, that I feel strongly about, but I don't know if other people will. I've got. Um, yeah, there's just always something that I'm like dive right into it you know i want to mm-hmm. i want to that's going to be the next thing the next big thing the next big thing the next, so, so like that's that's a big part of how my brain works also and it's the same with the decks the same with deck building like i get fixated on one deck or i'll get fixated on, and magic's they used to be like i'd get fixated on the new set you know whatever the new set is but they they flooded that that's you can't do that anymore they're coming out every week with a new no, set it's, so, it's, yeah. it, it 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 overfed that um Preview season literally doesn't end. Like it's yep. this week's end ends this, and then next week starts another. Yeah. They literally and like and yeah, they they ended the Infinity previews and the Brothers War previews tomorrow. Um, they ended the Infinity preview today or yesterday, and on and Brothers mm-hmm. War preview starts tomorrow. Not not talk like about a hamster full, wheel, huh? Yeah, not the full <laughs> spoiler season or whatever, but like they're gonna drop previews tomorrow. And like it used to be that I would be like. I can't wait to get the new set. I cannot, I am fixated on these cards. I'm dying to play with them. And now I can't keep up with them. I can't, it doesn't, the cards themselves and the sets coming out don't feed that next big thing for me anymore. So the next Mm -hmm. big thing for me is. Is the self. It's the building. It's it's what I'm doing. Yep. You're. Your content, your brand, and all that. Which, which on yeah. the one hand, I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that I can uh, the next the next big thing. And by the time this comes out, you'll see what the next big thing for me is. I'm psyched about it. So I I think I mean we'll see uh, when this comes out and how well it does and all that. But uh, by the time you said there's like a five week five week lead te- time on this or something like this. So by the time yeah, this there's comes a little out, bit of a little bit of a backlog or a queue. Yeah. By the time mm-hmm. this comes out, I might already have been in Vegas. Um, I got uh, I'm doing travel vlogs for Moxfield right now. Um, so mm-hmm. I went to Commander Sealed. Uh, Moxfield paid for me to go there and make a travel vlog and cover the event and cyrus's oh sweet i sent yeah. cyrus 20 gigs of footage of me running around like a lunatic doing everything i do and playing in the game itself and and uh 10 like two hours of interviews just everything i sent cyrus and cyrus is piecing that into a 35 minute like this is what Commander Sealed was, and that's I'm I'm gonna do everything and like I'm I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure that video succeeds. Um, yeah. Because that, if I can do that and get paid to do it, if I can go to events and cover events and make videos of them and get paid to do all of those things, that's the dream. That's the mm-hmm. the I want to have the travel show. That's that's the mountain. That's the mountain you want to. The mountain you is climb. the travel show. Ascend. 
The tra- everybody yeah. wants the travel show, and and I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everybody wants that show, and 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 I'm one of those people. <laughs> like I'm, you probably I, wanted more than most people. I'm, and I'm not. I think I, I think there's I a there's a world I, out there that's also hungry to to see it, right? So yeah, and that and that's the other part as well. Is there's a void right now? There's a con, there's a coverage void. There's a brutal coverage void, and right. I on the one hand I saw it, and on the other hand I stumbled into it. You know, um, and mm. not everybody can get out there and make the coverage and do the coverage. But the, the Gonzo way that I found it, found a, a way to get into it has the proof of concept is there. I've gone there. I've gone to the events. I've shown people, this is what I can bring to your event. This, and I'm not like, I could go deep into this about selling myself right now, but like, this is like, I'm here. I'm here. You want somebody yeah. exciting at, at your event to show people how exciting it is and get excited about it? That's what I'm here I, for. I, I love it. And I, I love the fact that you're basically just auditioning for it every day. Like every day you put out that video where you're doing Gonzo coverage, mm-hmm. you are basically telling the world also at the same time building your craft. Like you're also, mm-hmm. I think it's also really important for creators just to do the fucking thing. Like you just need to put in the reps, right? Which you are. And you're basically saying, this is my portfolio. Like, mm-hmm. Like you don't have to say like, I might be able to do this, right? You just show them your work and that's, that's you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something that, uh, people need to take to heart. I'm not sure like who listening to this might need to take it to heart, but like, no matter what you do, just, just put in the reps and then put yourself in a position to get the gig. Like you can't get the gig if you're just at home thinking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't like, you got to put yourself out there. I think that's yep. like, you're just living that right now. Just do it. Just do that thing. Be your own proof of concept. And it's, there is a luxury involved in that. And I, I say all of this and I always try to keep in mind that like, yeah, some people can't go to the thing. Some people mm-hmm. can't do the thing. Some people can't. But I think, thing. I think, I think to be fair, life is trade-offs. If you want that thing badly enough, you have to find a way to, make it happen no matter like where you are in your life. And I, I know that like as magic players and we're trying to be nice and I, you're a nice guy. I try to be a nice guy and we'd like to preface everything, but you got to just fucking make sacrifices and trade-offs, right? Cause you've got a family, you've got a kid and you're willing to like do that. And I, I can't speak, I can speak, I can't even speak for you. I mean, I'm not you, but I'm just saying that if you want something badly enough, like you should figure out a way. That's all. That's all I'm so saying. And that's, the, that's me saying it, not you. Yeah. yeah the, I was going to say the sacrifice is not worth it. Uh, in some cases, like, like COVID sure. still a fucking thing. It's a calculation. Right? Like yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's part of, that's why I was trying to say like, some people aren't able to, some people, some people cannot do it. Some people cannot go yeah. to these shows. Uh, if we're mm-hmm. speaking specifically through that lens of like, go to the show, make the content or whatever, like some people Absolutely. can't do it. And, and, it's not a choice. Some mm-hmm. people don't have the choice. Mm-hmm. And so like I can, so, yeah. I can be on board with like, yes, get off your ass and do the thing. But that's not always an option. And I always try to recognize that, that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I am making a choice that is maybe a risky choice. And I am mm-hmm. also doing this because I am in a privileged position to do so. Mm-hmm. And I do not take that lightly. It is not something that I'm like 
Oh, yep. well, like I am very, very aware that I am mm-hmm. doing this and it is, it is, yeah, because of where I am, you know, like because, mm-hmm. because of who I am, you know, like there is, mm-hmm. I, I very much try to take that into consideration and, and so, yeah, I don't take that lightly at all. Like I, tr- I try not to say like, just like, well, like when I was telling before, just make the content you like, like you can't, not everybody can do that. Right. Not everybody. Right. Can, and I take that very, very seriously. Not everybody can get out to the show. Not everybody can, can do that. And I do not mm-hmm. do this lightly. Yeah. I don't, I mm-hmm. don't, I mm-hmm. try. And so I, I very much respect the, and that's why I like, I joke about that, like toxic hustle mindset of like rise and grind and all that shit is like, yes, I do that. Um, but at the same time, like that's not for everybody, you know, and yeah. just other people yeah. have to rise and grind and go to do like other like fucking people jobs, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um. So and sorry to get like ser- like super super no, serious. No, no, no. This is this is uh, sudden, no. I, like... I appreciate that because because I I guess we should be mindful of the fact that as you said, like don't take that lightly, and also the fact that you got to figure out what works within your boundaries, right? Like I'm not, I'm never going to be like, uh, an NBA professional NBA basketball player. And for some people like they're equipped to do that. And I think in the same way, I may not be able to go and travel to this event because of logistical reasons or health reasons or whatever. And so I don't, I don't want to trivialize that. And the fact that I, that we are doing like a multi-hour podcast is hopefully like, and I'm, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not trying to be defensive. I'm just also just trying to, uh, explain where I'm coming from. Like, I don't want everything in a conversation to come down to like sound bites or like these truisms about like black and white, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not, that's also not what any of it should be about. It's sort of like a buildup. Right. So I'm just mm-hmm. saying that, um, wow. Now it's me rambling. Um, I'm just trying to say, <laughs> I'm happy for like what you're trying to do within your scope and yep. your, uh, your zone of influence, like you're trying to, and I I love the honesty too. It's just like, like I'm the same way. Like I don't like to, if I, if I want, decide to do this, I do not want to half-ass it. Right. I don't want to be like, uh, Oh, I'm not really trying LOL. I'm not, I'm not like, like, I don't want to be serious about it or like try to act like I'm sort of aloof. Right. Like if I want to build content, I want to figure out the best fucking way I can build the content. Like I'm not, and I'm not will. I'm willing to. It's the whole. It goes back to the beginner's mind. I'm willing to try whatever works um, to try and hopefully get there. Yeah. And I'm. I know that I'm never going to get there because it's just, at, like as creators, like our minds are are just wired to be like, I will never be satisfied. Yeah. I could have like two million subscribers on YouTube today, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, how do I get two point five? Yeah. Like that's just who we are. And I think I think there's a whole like mental health insanity, like reconciling this thing with yourself issue where like we have to, uh, we have to manage it. Right. So, but I, I'm, I'm just, I just want to say that I'm happy for where you are and where you feel like you're going. That's all. I, and yeah, I'm, I was not trying to be defense. I'm sorry if I came off as defensive. Thank you. No, no, I, I'm sorry if I came across as defensive. I'm not no, saying no, no, you no. are. I'm, I'm saying that I, 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 I'm not trying to defend. I'm yeah. Anyways. I got yeah, you. I, I got you. I'm, yeah. I'm thank you. First of all, it's, uh, I'm no small amount of proud of of where I am right now. Um and and it's been 
two years of proof of concept, two years of showing up every day, you know, showing up at streaming every day and, and then like going to, going to the shows and doing the live coverage was just like a little, another one of those shower. It was a shower thought. It was a straight up shower thought. And I was like, that's the, that's the thing. And there was the perfect storm of there being nobody else doing it and there being a need for it and then doing it in front of the right people. But also like that comes from the sales training. Pitching in front of the right people is everything. And I was able, I was given the opportunity to do that in Bellevue. I pitched in front of the right people and it worked. Um, I pitched in front of the right people at the right time and and it got me to what I needed. It got me, it got, it got the eyes on me that I needed, you know, and I showed people that I'm willing to show up and do the work. Uh, and that's, and like, even like, like recently going to, going to Commander Sealed, going to the Sealed event, I showed up and I busted my ass for 14 hours and like played the games and all that stuff. But like, it wasn't about the game. I wasn't, I, it wasn't about playing those games for me. It was about playing those games and recording the whole thing. You know, it was about, it was about, yeah, record it, like playing them, but also, yeah, sorry, words are starting to slip a little bit right now. Um, but it was about showing up and doing those things. And it made an impression The all of the people from Commander Sealed were like, oh, like this person is here working, you know, mm-hmm. um, this person put in an absurd amount of work to put this in like like there were a million other creators there and they were all tagging about it and posting about it and all that stuff and i love it i love the work that got put in to make sure that event was visible and i'm not saying Mm -hmm. that i like i was there and i made it like that's not what i'm trying to say i'm just saying like i showed up and i did that and what i did was appreciated and if you show up and you do you and you make sure that the work that you do as a creator is appreciated it will get noticed um but it is about doing the thing. If you don't show up and you don't do the work and you don't make the content, it doesn't get noticed. Uh, I've I've wanted to travel show forever. I want to go to LGSs and and go around the country and throw pizza parties and play Commander all night. You know, I want that. I want the I want the magical travel show. I want the unicorn show. Um, but if I don't go to LGSs. If I stay streaming every Friday night instead of going to Friday Night Magic and filming and filming a pod, no one's going to know that I can do it. So yeah. it's like... And we'll be here talking like five years later, like, I should have done that. Like right? I just streamed every Friday night instead of going to... Driving half an hour and showing up with a selfie, a selfie stick and a microphone at the LGS and being like, hey guys, I ordered 20 pizzas! <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Like, like I, I, I want to do that. You know, I want that to be, I want to, and, and I want, I want LGSs. I want all those WPN stores to say, Hey, we need to get Alan in here and throw a party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, and, and I want to show the world what their local meta is. I want to show, I want to show people. This is, this is what people are playing in blah, 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 state, Wisconsin, whatever, whatever. I don't like anywhere, anywhere in the, the world. This is, this is what people are playing in, in Osaka. You know, this is what the commander decks are like out here. I threw a pizza party in Osaka and this is the commander decks that showed up, you know, like I, that's the mountain. 
is Alan throwing pizza parties at your WPN stores around the world. <laughs> What's the underlying motivation behind that? Is it to tell stories? Is it to, or is it something else? The, I mean, there's obviously the, the motivation of like, I want to make this a career, but like, is there also just the output itself that you choose to frame your output in this way? Is it storytelling or is it something else? It's, it's creating a, a party. Like it's creating a fun atmosphere. It's, it's being that guy. Like that's a big part of it. Um, but another part of it is like, I want to, like, I see the value in sharing a localized event with a bigger audience we, i see the value for everybody in that uh, and this is something that i've kind of learned after the fact of like that's the value in it is like the the people in the osaka store get to tell their story the people in seattle get to see what's happening in the osaka store and the people who run the osaka store get to be like hey our our event is bigger than it was before Alan showed up. Um, so like, that's the, that's the value proposition. Um, but the, the underlying is like, yeah, I just want to go. I want to be there. I want to, I want to be where the party is at. And if, and, and it, and it means if, if there's already an event, that's great. But if it means me showing up and being the party, bringing the party, then yes. I want to do that too. It's an interesting balance because I don't feel like you're a kind of person who necessarily needs to be in control or be the life of the party, but there is an element of that in here, which is almost like a, like a low key of, I want to bring the party. Like, I, I don't know quite how to articulate it, but it's like, it's not like an over the top overbearing, like, okay, here's the here's the Allen show, like it's coming to town. It's more like, here's the Allen show. Uh, and I have my way of doing it, but it's also just a way to put a spotlight on people who want to be seen or want to be heard. There's, there's like two aspects of that. So it's like two things can both be correct at the same time. Right? Yep. Or not even who want to be seen and heard, who can be seen and heard. Um, and sometimes it's about giving a voice. Sometimes it's about platforming. Uh, something that wasn't platformed before, whether it's marginalized people or whether it's just a hole-in-the-wall LGS. Um, and sometimes it's about, yeah, creating that atmosphere and create, or sharing that atmosphere, finding that atmosphere where it already was and sharing it. Um, so, and yeah, and part of that comes from like the kinetic, you know, punk rock mosh pit or whatever of like that, that, this, this, there's no, there's no way to share the feeling of being in a mosh pit without being in it. Um, yeah. but you can't yeah. like, but there's also like another lesson I learned in college is you can't force a dance party. Um, yeah. So, so the atmosphere, it has to, the storm has to happen, you know? So like, that's been a lot of uh, like what I was saying before is like my learning that my learning how to act in certain situations has be, has come of me acting incorrectly in so many situations. So like, you know, when I go to the LGS and it's like not the scene for a party, I'm like, okay, 
no doubt. There's no party right. I'm not going to bust out the camera. Oh, people are just kind of like hanging out. Like, I don't want to like change the sanctity of this atmosphere by being like, and we're live. You know, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it's Alan, the oblivious guy. Yeah, live like, with you. That's, yeah. that's not, that's not what I, I want. You know, I want it mm -hmm. to be appropriate. Um, and that was, that's part of sales training is there's, there's, you have to behave appropriately. There's a time and place. There's a time and place. You can control your activity and your behavior. And there's, yeah, you have to behave appropriately. Like you don't go into the law firm office, you know, trying to sell your, like I'd sell water coolers in Manhattan. You know, you don't go into the law firm office and be like super jocular, you know, and you don't go into the streetwear store and be fucking ultra nerd you know be right. a f fucking <laughs> like button up yeah, yeah yeah wedgie you know waiting to happen so um like it, it's it's be a pro so like yeah like i i want to do that but it's also like you have to set that atmosphere you have to set that expectation but I, it's this is all this is all like not theoretical but it's it's forecasting you know like some someday it's on the master plan but yeah. i want to like i like i've seen seen the LGSs near me and one of them I feel like has that atmosphere that I can capitalize on or that can be shared mm -hmm. and one of them doesn't. One of them is just like people are quietly jamming their commander games and they're not like ah, it's not it's not kinetic enough. The, the energy isn't there, you know? But like the yeah. energy was there for Ramp Gang. We had it. It's there. It's still mm -hmm. there. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I was able to uh, have this was over the new Capena release weekend when uh, Rebel and Lua threw that event, and there were uh, one of the one of the mothership people showed up, and I was like, "Yo, we're going to my buddy's house tomorrow to play Magic. You want to come?" And they came out and they got to meet the Ramp Gang, and I didn't tell anybody who this cat was. I was just like, "This is our friend." He came through and he jammed games, and he got to see like the full effect of like what playing CEDH with my lunatic buddies was like. And he went home and he posted about it and said, I got to play CEDH in Brooklyn with the Ramp Gang. And it was absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. And and then I told my buddies, I was like, yeah, that was, you know, so-and-so. And they were just like, who, who was here chilling with us? <laughs> like, they had no clue. It was fucking yeah. awesome. So it's, right. I don't know. That was that was a really cool situation. But like, yeah, being able to share that, you know, being being able to show what my formative kitchen table experience was like was everything so that's that's it and that's another part of it it's like i came up with with these ramp gang dudes like all like screaming at each other but in like a really entertaining way you know like everybody just wiling out and that's that's part of it as well sharing that kind of like rowdy atmosphere the the people who do it right are um there's a there's a play group out of Buffalo, the Bufftown Bullies, and they've got that vibe. They've got this like rowdy boys vibe that I just fucking eat up. These guys are absolutely amazing. Um, but there is a it's not like a rowdy boys where it's like toxic. It's like they also are like they're doing something positive. They're creating a good they're creating a good name for CEDH. They're creating a good name for commander players. That sort of thing. Yeah, rock on. Hey Alan, I think this might be a good uh good time to call it. Oh uh, yeah. This is we, we went all we went we went down the we went down the spectrum. We we stomped over some of your 
content journey. And uh, no, this is, I, I love it. So awesome. Last question for you. What's the uh -oh. best place for you, people to find you on social media or where you would like to be found? The running gag is that you can find me anywhere you can write Mental Misplay. You can you can type it into your Google and uh, mentalmisplay.com will bring up our website. You can put okay. it in Twitter. It's, it's, it's the other way around in Twitter, Misplay Mental. Yeah. Uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern and midnight Eastern on Saturdays. Uh, my oh my co-host from another coast Late Cyrus hours. uh does his he's on he's in Seattle so he does a 9 p.m. his time their time stream uh called it's it's CEDH but it, they call it the the ASMR of CEDH it's called Chalaxamundar and uh Chalaxamundar is a really really good recurring cast um but you can find us on Twitch on YouTube keep an eye out for these uh travel vlogs cuz that's all I want to be doing. And, uh, yeah, the running gag is you can go down to the ocean and write mental misplay in the sand and I'll, uh, I'll pop right out of the waves and throw a pizza party with you. We'll have a little beach blanket party. The, so the, uh, <laughs> the running gag is I'll just, I can just make a mental misplay while I play magic and then you'll just show up in the room like Beetlejuice, right? Yeah. You got to write it. You got to carve times. it into the wall or something. You got to, you got to spray paint it on the outside of a abandoned pizza hut and I'll show up. The question <laughs> is, are you going to show up with a club or are you going to show up with a sword? Oh, with the with the hammer, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the hammer. Yes. Are we getting Alan of the of the hammer? Or are we getting Alan of the the Shaolin sword? The, there's the a club upstairs too. I have a club. Uh, it's, it's the handle of an oar. Uh, it's really good. It's a good one. Uh, <laughs> that's upstairs on <laughs> that's upstairs on top of the fridge. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's all the places you can find me. There's there's more too. Instagram. There's a TikTok. It's real dumb uh <laughs> just where wherever you can write mental misplay that's where i'm gonna be at i lied i have one more question uh, i have one more question i lied um i'm sorry have you ever been have you ever done like stand-up comedy or improv comedy before because you strike me as someone who can kind of fit into that that very difficult to master but fun world i told a story at an open mic once Okay, that counts. I told a story at an open mic. I told a really good story. I had a really good story I used to tell about uh, going up to Maine and catching porcupines. <laughs> okay. Yep. How how long was that bit? Can you repeat it? It's it's a it was it it, it was it was a long bit. It was it was like I would really embellish it, you know. But yeah, me and my buddy Jake used to go to my uncle's place in Maine, and they had a pork. It was on a small island, like a little like couple acre island in Maine, and. Uh, and they had a porcupine problem, and he was like, "Catch the porcupines, get them off the island." And we were like, "Okay." There's a 13-year-old me. Yep, done. And we set like a straight-up Looney Tunes trap under the tree outside. We did a big tarp and tied all the four corners up above the tree, and uh, and threw bread on the tarp. And we would just look out the window. This is an island with like no electricity, no running water, all that stuff. So we would just look out the window with a flashlight, and when there was a porcupine on it, we'd we we had the line from above the tree that would go all the way to the front door of the house and we'd run out the front door of the house and grab the line and run the other way and the porcupine whoop, right up in the in the tarp and then we put a garbage a 55 gallon garbage can and put it in the tarp put it in the garbage can and then it's on an island so we'd have to take it off the island and this is at night so we'd have to jump in the little boat with a little uh, 9 9 horsepower motor at night and go across the river 
and 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 while while my buddy is sitting on the garbage can with his hands over the lid and uh and we would go across the river so we'd be in the pitch dark one of us with a flashlight me we me with a flashlight steering the boat with the you know nine horsepower motor going across the river and my buddy jake st- sitting on the garbage can with his hands over the lid and then we'd have to like you know ram the boat into like wooded rocky shore and then like dump the to tarp garbage like to dump the porcupine out so we did it we caught two we got rid of two porcupines that that summer <laughs> <laughs> so epic epic that was that was there was a it was a big long story but basically yeah i, I would tell a story about catching porcupines <laughs> so it's a real true story <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a different time <laughs> You can't make this up. True story. Nope. I, I haven't told that story in a long time. <laughs> Alan, thank you so much for your time, my friend. And uh, I wish you all the best in your content aspirations journey. And uh, have a good rest of the evening where you are. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for letting me ramble. I appreciate it uh, a lot. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything we need to scrub from it. So I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> Thank you, though. This is truly a, a, a privilege and, and an honor. Truly, truly. I really, really appreciate it, James. Pleasure's all mine.